1: hello and welcome to the mary rose the pub is packed today because bony has done a thing bony what have you done
2: i let other people in
1: <sighs> With, but we don't want to be that village pub where a stranger walks in and we all look at them like get out my pub do we, we well
3: want to be fair Holmes
2: home, home looks in. like he is that person every <laughs> time someone new popped up on the the stream there was a look of
3: Hmm. Yeah, I fear fear a change and B uh, the lack of our historical knowledge being found out. I can't. (laughs) You
2: you do know this goes out on the internet after we do it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) brilliant. So that's our two judges.
3: We um, given that that corruption is very much a thing at the moment, do we have to give the the sort of paying punters a bit of additional leeway when we're determining tonight? No, try and be
1: a bit nicer to
3: Clive. Well, well he's not even here yet
1: <clears throat> Clive, time. Clive is trying to get out of a family or work function just to come and argue for a fucking bicycle I'd love to see how far he gets in this room with a bicycle um bearing in mind that if Lockie turns up at some point as well Lockie fell off his yesterday and totaled it so he's really not going to get far in this room you're all right Holmes how's your week
3: it's been all right we had um a mouse infestation in here yesterday. So like my cat is 13 until this morning, he'd only ever caught two mice ever. He's now, he's now on six. Which is, on the one hand is good, but if it starts going a bit sort of crazy Tom and Jerry shit during the recording, that's probably why something will have come out from under a cupboard somewhere.
1: I can't believe he even got out of his box.
3: The first time I saw it, he leapt down off the table. He was sat next to the left of me where I'm now, and it was on our mat by the back door, and he pounced on it from the table, caught it first go. Really? Wow. Yeah.
1: Who knew? It's a bit like, it's a bit fraudulent. He's like Yoda when he whips out two lightsabers and goes mental. When you think, hang on, you were hobbling around on a stick claiming benefits from the Empire a minute ago.
3: Yeah. And he's just eaten as well. So it was doubly impressive.
1: It's impressive he didn't throw up straight away because he is proud. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on from one crazy cat person to another. Heather, how is Ohio? Uh, windy. Very Wendy. Windy you love Ohio look at you you sound so grim every time anyone mentions it look at her shaking her head uh boney we've already heard from boney how's your week going
2: good i actually went into the office today it was really weird mm. Mm. and you we got shut end up, up in the... by
1: millennials right
2: yeah but then those of us of a of a certain age and older all went to the for a meeting outside the office and ended up spending the afternoon in the pub
1: and left them at work yep ha ah, teach you to mock teach them to mock your use of emojis
2: yeah bring on bring on fummy fummy up emojis. we'd we love' them.
1: yeah Beth is here, but Beth, she's barely conscious if I'm honest, are you Beth
4: yeah as I said earlier, the lights are on, but no one's home it's and, been a, it's been a it's been a very long ten days it's a license um, for everybody to mock you unfortunately well, basically, but you know. Well, we were having fun mostly, weren't we, with our, our jolly to Belgium. But then coming back and working on four hours sleep while doing 14 hour days with the army is not pleasant. So no, nice. indeed. And I've got to do it all again from Saturday. Oh, gosh. no. Kit,
1: Kit's in Oslo.
5: Kit is in Oslo. How's it going?
1: Yeah. How is Oslo? You went and saw uh, a
5: boat. I, d- I saw a couple of boats. I saw Amundsen's boat. I saw uh, the Contiki, uh, which is quite a famous boat. Um, it's bloody cold is, is the short answer and expensive, surprisingly pricey.
1: Yeah, you're going to go from your 50 cent can of Bex in Germany a week and a half ago to a 15 euro can of Bex now. I think I,
5: I think my dinner actually cost me like 20 quid and it was and it was sort of two two buns and a, and a pint of cider. I think it was. It was ridiculous. But such is life. Here we are.
1: Out so enforced fasting in Oslo for you until you leave tomorrow for Denmark. Fancy Nikolai? Yeah, that'll be fun. Will be fun. Who else have we got? We've got Kate in Spain. Is it sunny in Spain, Kate?
6: It is sunny in Spain. It's cold though. Well, relatively, everything's relative, isn't it? It's but it's cold for Spain, like 12 degrees.
1: How's your week watching Hattie's um, fin- And I've Harry. been
6: yeah, it's been okay. I've not had any weddings all week, which has been lovely. I've been working on—can um, I say the dreaded word? Christmas parties. No, no um, sure, sure. that's
1: right. Shut up. You don't get any more now. Can't they're not they're not Christmasy. It's them.
6: fine. Not Christmassy. Good. They're, they're fun parties. I've been booking musicians and and lookalikes and stuff. So good fun. Yeah. What does do look look-alike,
1: like lookalike look like? It. Yeah.
6: Yeah, no, I'm I'm going through them all, but I need a Mar- they want a Marilyn Monroe look like, and I can't find one that actually looks like Marilyn Monroe. So, if anyone out there looks like Marilyn Monroe, hit me
5: up. I've I've got a and master Amelia Clark.
6: <laughs> I think Kit's offering to send out
1: that hideous three D printed head of Amelia Clark, and Beth saying we should send Charlie out. Cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I wonder. Like, it's not a big pool to choose from in Gibraltar, is it?
6: No, but we're flying them in. Um, we're flying one in from Barcelona, um, who looks the spitting image of Johnny Depp. And we've got another uh, a singer who's really good. Um, but yeah, I just need a Marilyn Monroe
1: now. You know how to get hold Please. of us. You know a Marilyn Monroe. And we've got Chris. Chris, our favourite ginger. Uh, how are you?
7: I'm, I'm ecstatic at the moment, for some reason. No idea. Um, my friend at work said that I was loser because I'm incred- incredibly happy this week and can't put a finger on why.
1: someone touched your penis?
7: Um, not on purpose, no.
1: <laughs> Other than you, I mean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll get to the bottom of this by the end of the episode. And uh, probably wondering why the hell they're in this room, uh, we've got our Patreon people. We have lovely Simon. Hello, Simon. There we um, go, yes. There we Hi. go. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How long have you been listening to History Hack?
7: Um, About a year, maybe.
1: It always amazes me that there's anyone out there listening. Uh, Who else have we got with us? Trevor, lovely Trevor. Hello, Alex. Joining us from uh, East London, is that right?
8: East London,
1: yep. Yeah, last time. You're going to be bar flying as well. We have lovely girl Sam, because we've got boy Sam as well. We have lovely girl Sam. Hello
9: hello thank you for having me
1: oh it's great uh sam is part of the napoleonic and revolutionary war graves charity is that the right title i'm trying to remember yes
9: well (laughs) done i always get tongue-tied with it as well and i'm part of it (laughs) yeah
1: and it's all right zach's not here so fuck it uh we (laughs) always have lovely louise with us hello louise hi there hi joining us all the way from aberdeen yeah that's right oh this is brilliant these are the and oh, we have all these people from the Great War Group, a sort of incestuous crossover tonight. We have the lovely Dave joining us from Pennsylvania, if he's at home, but he's always on the move.
10: Yeah, I, I'm staying home now. I think I've got all my uh, trips out of the way, my bicycle trips, yeah. trips to see the kids. And, of course, I did a Shenandoah Valley tour last week with four of my, three of my cronies.
1: Yeah, and this is your Civil War battlefield cronyism, isn't it?
10: Yes, and we had a nice time. We went to some... Some pieces of property, private property where uh, significant events occurred and uh, uh, the guys really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed it. I had a nice time too.
1: Wonderful. Uh, we also have Paul. Hello, Paul. Hello. Whereabouts are you joining us from?
11: Uh, a small Welsh town called Klanderkrionion in Powys.
1: Okay, we clearly can't spell that or say it, so we're just going to nod.
11: Yeah, if if I say Shrewsbury, we're about 30 miles west of Shrewsbury.
1: Excellent. Everybody feels calmer now. (sighs) Uh, We have also got Christopher with us. Hi, Christopher. Good evening. How long have you been listening to History Hack? Uh,
11: Probably summer of last year, 2020, I would imagine. I, I found an old book about the Spanish Armada from when I was a kid. And I looked up the podcast and there you were with one and it went from there.
1: Oh, we had J.D. Davis for that, didn't that we? That was him, yeah. I forgot
11: yeah. his name, yes. And yeah, it's uh, gone from strength to strength ever since.
1: Yeah, he's the ultimate Welsh boaty historian. Yeah. Uh, and we also have joining us from north of the border, Mr. Sam Daly. Hello, Sam.
12: Hi, how are we doing?
1: Have you recovered from nice the
12: college, things? yet? Yes, I have. I can, these bags on mine. I've just been working, not for doing anything else.
1: Excellent. Uh, you are a massive Airdrionians fan.
12: Yes, I'll maybe go and put a top on and see if anybody recognises it later on.
1: So, Chris. I has, won't
12: strap in front of the camera.
1: Chris hasn't. Uh, can Well, Chris does that, but Chris can no longer claim to support the shittest team in the pub uh, with Gillingham. Well, we're top guy. of the league.
12: Yeah, top we're of top,
1: league. top of the league. Wow. Yep. Is that worse, Chris, that you can still claim that when there's an Adrianians fan here?
7: Yeah, but what kind of league? I mean, it's Scottish League it's not, doesn't really count. <laughs> it says Gillingham fan.
1: Oh, more! Important, I was going to
7: say I was here
12: for the gingers, but uh, no, bugger <laughs> that then. <laughs> may the devil shine in your shoe.
1: <laughs> more importantly, Sam, have you talked your way into being allowed to go to Eek next spring?
12: Uh, well, as I said to you yesterday, it was my birthday, and she may have not said F off. It's not my birthday anymore, so she just said F off.
3: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll see how that So happens. I've
12: now invited her to see if she wants to come for a long weekend. That's she might same. have been saying,
3: F- fuck off to eat really quickly, you'll have a lovely time.
12: That's what <laughs> yeah.
3: she might have been saying.
12: Okay. Well, she, she's getting a bit worried now, after the conference, and I'm going to Jordan, I think she's beginning to think, uh, I'm not coming back one of these times.
1: <laughs> Brilliantly, I think there is already a little nucleus forming of, um, like, Yipa EPA like other halves, uh, who might actually be more interested in the wine and the chocolate and will just leave us to our war thing. So Miss Daly might not be alone if she chooses to do that. Right, let's get this show on the road because uh, we've witted on long enough. Today we are arguing uh, for the greatest vehicle in history. And I immediately banned, uh, I said it had to be, didn't I, at the end of last week, uh, the last one, I said it had to be an actual vehicle that moves people or goods because i'm not having any of you idiots come in and argue like toast is the best vehicle ever because it carries all condiments or whatever crap you'd come up with just to wind me up basically ever since Lockie ruined the greatest building ever with his pubs in rabbit ears uh, i'm determined not to let you not get the better of me so it has to be an actual vehicle and we banned planes um because just to mess what well, we didn't what we did was we banned it this time bony because we're giving you a whole a uh, pub in a couple of months' time that will be the greatest plane in history, and you'll get to judge it. So
2: everybody knows what they need to pitch for.
1: Got the ty- typhoon.
2: <laughs> and if you need, you need pointers, the latest issue of Airplane has got a fantastic article in it all about typhoons, written you by mean, a really was, good I was going to
4: go for a paper plane.
2: <laughs> You're going to lose.
3: Beth Econova is capable of it's capable of transporting
4: condiments. Oh, never mind. (laughs) How foolish of me.
3: Right.
1: Who should we start with? Uh, I'm not going to make any of the Patreon people go first because I'd be really, really mean. I'm going to make Chris go first just because he's really bubbly and in a good mood and it amuses me.
7: Hooray. Um, OK, well, everyone will be relieved that this isn't a boat as such. So I'm going to be doing Zeppelins but not just any Zeppelin, the LZ127 or Graf Zeppelin, because it's the greatest vehicle of all history. And it's not a plane and it's not a boat, it's both. So, um, so with like with BIRO, uh, I have to get a definition out of the way first. With like BIRO, only BIC can make BIROs, the rest of ballpoint pens, and only Hoover can make Hoovers and everything else at sort a of vacuum cleaner. So, airships like the R101, the R100, uh, airships and not zeppelins zeppelins have to be built by the zeppelin company that is important from all my statistics and um, spin later on so uh right what is a zeppelin well it's a dirigible made up of a metal framework covered with a fabric skin uh with a very um a variable number of inflated individual airbags inside like a giant silver sausage originally these airbags were made out of rubberized cotton uh but it was found that uh the gold beater skin basically sausage skin Uh, diffused hydrogen at a much slower rate, so it's able to hold on to uh, keep inflated. The frames are made of geryllium, which is uh, copper and aluminium, and uh, they were superior to the non-rigid airships that the British and French used because they were just one giant bag blown up, just like a normal party balloon, and relied on pressure. Uh, The first designs were uh, proposed by Ferdinand Graf von Zeppelin in 1874, and, excuse the pun, uh, they took off in the 1890s, with the support of the German <coughs> military um, and Navy. After the First World War, uh, because we're not going to talk about that with Zeppelins, uh, the Zeppelin Company was in serious financial problems, and Versailles stopped Germany from building Zeppelins um for themselves, but they were allowed to build them for America. So they built one for them that infused money. The Locarno treaties in 1925 allowed uh loosened some of the, the strict parts of Versailles, including the creation of Zeppelins. And so in 1928, they built, um, the Zeppelin company built the Graf Zeppelin. Uh, the Graf Zeppelin was uh, 20, uh, 236.6 metres long, had a volume of 105,000 uh, metres cubed, and was the largest dirigible built up until that time. The company company direct, director, Echner, uh had originally planned for her to be mainly built for demonstration purposes of, this is what the company can do, isn't this fantastic, look at what you can have, fly it around. Wave it around, maybe do the odd passenger thing. To but um, suddenly they found that it was actually in quite a bit of demand. And in October 1928, she carried out her first long uh, long flight from uh, to Lakehurst in New Jersey. And despite storm damage, she made the journey of nine thousand nine hundred twenty six kilometers in 111 hours and 44 minutes, which was uh, a, a record longest non stop flight. And to make it even more, even more interesting for fun facts, uh, Clara Adams uh, became the first female to fly across the Atlantic when she went back the other way. Uh, Graf Zeppelin would also fly to Italy, Palestine, skim the surface of the Dead Sea and delivered 16,000 letters in drops to Jaffa, Athens, Budapest and Vienna. She would have gone into Egypt, but the British wouldn't let it. Uh, she would later go to France, Spain, Portugal and Tangier. In 1929, William Randolph Hearst sponsored the Graf Zeppelin to go around the world in a non-stop run. Tickets were, were sold to VIPs for $3,000, uh, starting from Lakehurst, with souvenirs, stamps, and gifts um, sold to, to help to cover the costs. She made the journey around the world in 12 days, 12 hours, and 13 minutes, covering 33,234 kilometers in four legs, and was the first, um, it was, This was the fastest circumnavigation of the world at the time. And, another fun fact, uh, Grace Marguerite Taylor, who was one of um, Hearst's reporters, became the first woman to fly around the world whilst aboard the ship, aboard the Zeppelin. Uh, suddenly, Zeppelin's um, zeppelin flight was back on, and there, was, uh, there were more flights than um, booked. And, in fact, they started building her sister ship, the Hindenburg, which we're not going to talk about yet. Um, it wasn't just the US. They went to middle east and south america and uh and the future uh, future of long distance air travel was firmly in the f- in the field of field of the zeppelin people collected the stamps including a 50 cent air um, mail stamp with Graf zeppelin printed on it and um and other souvenirs the design also pr- pr- um, proved to be exceptionally reliable and reliant in 1931 she flew, flew to the arctic circle where they measured the Earth's magnetic field and mapped Franz Josef land for the first time accurately. Um, but, this was not, um, but this was also a journey that brought the East and West together. A lot of people think the Cold War started in 1945. It, there was already one after the Russian Revolution, so Soviets and, the, and Europe didn't really get on or communicate where, where they could. However, Graf Zeppelin had Soviet scientists and European scientists working together on the, uh, above the Arctic Circle, which is quite a, quite a big thing. Quick sidestep of not only bringing east and west together she was also used to defy the nazis her uh, the owner eckner was very anti-nazi which is a good thing and um when it went on a propaganda flight to uh south america and to brazil uh they had had to have the swastika on the tail fins well eckner made sure that they were only on the left side of the zeppelin so when they had to circle an airfield for for the film cameras he went the other way so that the, only the right side of the fins could be seen, not demonstrating the Nazi flag. Uh, to which um, Goebbels then had him banned from all press releases, and we weren't allowed to mention him in polite company. Anyway, uh, in South, as I said, she went to South America uh, quite frequently between 1931 and 37, and it was found that the cotton envelopes around the airbags could absorb would absorb the humid air and um, tropical downpours. But she had enough power to offset the eighteen. 1,800 kilograms of extra weight that she would uh, gain. So why is she awesome? Well, other than the flexibility of design to different climates, the durability, the records she set on top of of, um, bringing um, togetherness between Soviets and Europe, she was also relatively green compared to other forms of transport. The only other way to travel vast distances was by ship, such as the Queen Mary, which was driven by coal or oil, belching out many tons of smoke into the air at a relatively slow speed the 1930 record i'm using 1930 as my sort of touch base for records and stuff the 1930 record set for the blue ribbon or uh, eastbound was held by the german liner europa which managed 27.91 knots crossing uh, 3157 nautical miles which is 5, 5, hundred and sixty four uh, kilometers uh in four days 17 hours and six minutes which is a lot slower than the graf zeppelin who traveled nine just a reminder nine thousand nine hundred and twenty six kilometers in four days, eleven hours and forty four minutes the um, zeppelin burned uh, grout Blaugra- blue uh, sorry blau gas, which was developed by uh, Dr. Herman Blau, uh, which is created by decomposing mineral oils, which is a byproduct from the creation of gasoline and from crude oil, with heat and compressing and compression until it liquefies it's light and when burnt produces co2 and water. With no carbon monoxide, uh, it also has the same mass to air mass as air. So when it's used, the engine um, it doesn't deflate, change the weight of the uh, zeppelin at all. You just replace it with air. Um, so it's faster than a ship, more environmentally friendly than a ship, and with a limited smoking facility because there's only one room on the zeppelin where you're allowed to smoke, and you're not allowed to smoke outside of that for every, obvious health and safety reasons, um, which means it's healthier for people as well. Um, I know that. The Hindenburg is going to get mentioned. Um, I mean, how can you not really? But it is true um, that Graf Zeppelin did have flammable hydrogen gas aboard, and it was um, it wasn't fitted to take helium. Graf- Hindenburg was, um, but the Americans wouldn't sell it to them. Um, so I thought I wanted to I wanted to see how reliable how safe Zeppelin travel was, and so between eighteen um, ninety seven mm. and nineteen thirty six. I had a look to see um, how many people were killed in Zeppelin crashes, not airship crashes, it has to be Zeppelin, and it was 180. Um, I then went to 1934, um, 1930, sorry, and in the first five months of 1930, 271 people were killed in shipwrecks. So ultimately, Zeppelins are safer, greener, and better for the world.
1: Right. You're going to get a butthole ripped now, aren't you? Look, at that's yeah. why you're grinning and laughing, because he's fully aware of everything that he's just left out. Uh, <laughs> what if he wants to go first A tear him a new one?
3: Well, I mean, as soon as you said Zeppelin, I thought of two things. A, bursting into flames, like no chance of survival, and B, bombing
7: primary schools in the East End during the First World War. Yeah, I've gone for the civilian application. There's a vehicle for transporting goods <laughs> rather than the military application of bombing stuff.
3: i I think we've got to sort of treat these things as a whole have we really not i mean i think what you did what you did anyway is that you went through and made a case of you issued quite a collection of interesting facts but i didn't see a on their own they're sort of quite interesting but what i was quite why did it stop being a method of travel if it was so great Uh, one of them blew up (laughs) (laughs) hang on but you said yourself but, but was that uh, but that was the Hindenburg, wasn't it? Which that is a Zeppelin for
7: the purposes of yeah. this argument. I, I think, I think um, the main thing was that air travel, they found that aircraft were f- even faster than Zeppelins. Um, you had the uh, de Havilland Comet um, was obviously a lot faster, especially after the, the British were using flying boats, which were just as fast, if not faster than a Zeppelin. And then after World War II, the advent of the jet engine, um, it was just so much faster to go by airplane than Zeppelin. I mean, you did run off some,
3: I think you did run off some statistics to prove how safe they were, but I guess in real terms, so many more people travelled by boat and could potentially be shipwrecked compared to
7: how many people, how many people can travel by Zeppelin? Um, I think the Graf Zeppelin had a capacity for um, 20 with 36 crew.
3: And then some of those people from that round the world one, that was three grand. And then you obviously had your flame retardant suit and parachute on top of that as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you didn't crash what I've never understood with with a zeppelin like that is it is, can it get blown off course
7: easily they can they can and they can suffer storm damage in the air but um the good thing is they because they 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 it's very difficult to crash one if you fly at a certain altitude um so I've suddenly got that image of that one i posted in the group of it with this nose flat in the ocean um, <laughs> but um yeah they can be blown off course but um because of the amount of fuel they can carry it is it doesn't make that much of a difference and they can be rectified. Actually, I just remembered the last thing I forgot to say. Um, Please don't bring that no, up. I uh, I was, no, I was going to bring up her, her how, how far she travelled in her career. You know, she made 590 flights in 17,177 hours and travelled 1.06 million miles with zero fatalities.
1: <laughs> Matt just looks astounded. <laughs> Go on, Bodhi.
2: I honestly thought I was saving my last spot in this for Clive, just out of principle. But I think Clive is going to be finishing second to end this evening.
3: Clive's just turned up and he looks like Bane from The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah, no, hello,
2: Clive.
1: Oh, my God, um, is Clive on public transport?
13: No, Clive, are you a
1: bus wanker?
13: Absolutely.
1: <gasps> Clive is on a bus. It's
13: exciting. I've never done this before.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Where's, Where's your sofa?
3: are sorting the ticket out of the front. Going <laughs> by zeppelin.
1: This is brilliant, uh, uh, Bo. Well, think- have you got anything else to add on the zeppelin as the greatest vehicle ever? Apart from when it's exploding and going down in a fiery ball of flame. I I,
2: I thought it was courageous of you, Chris, when you were talking about you know the 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 bags of hydrogen being blown up because I thought that was that was an interesting turn of phrase because yeah. That's what it is. Put it like this: I thought, okay, let's give him a go, and then I just ended up writing boring construction stuff. And then twelve hours, thir- what was it twelve days, twelve hours, thirteen minutes? Seems like a very Hearst headline to put. Mm. So I, yeah, it was probably three weeks. Um, but yeah, it was around of of And yeah, to be fair, I, I got a bit distracted because I, I, remembered there is a great terrible movie movie about a zeppelin, called Zeppelin. With um, Michael York and elkie summer and it's 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 fantastic oh, yeah it's 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 terrible that film is so bad it was better than your pitch <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you know what I have vague recollections that there's also an episode of The Waltons where John Boy is a journalist and he sees the Zeppelin go down, he sees the Hindenburg go boom. I don't know why I remember that. I think he used to be on channel Four on a Sunday morning, didn't it?
5: There's a, there's a George T. Scott movie where he's on the Hindenburg and and it's actually blown up by a bomb.
7: Yeah, mm. that was one of the accusations.
1: So what you're and saying then, now is it wasn't the airship's fault, Chris?
7: No, I'm just, I'm just saying that's one of the accusations. <laughs> they claimed she was sabotaged. Well, the Nazis claimed she was sabotaged, but... And um, that but that, been... was, that was the Hindenburg. That wasn't Graf uh, Zeppelin. Graf Zeppelin was great. Hindenburg was... <clears throat> In the same way that Olympic was great, but Titanic was... The Graf you know. Zeppelin wasn't even the best Graf Zeppelin, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> or not to, don't mention the aircraft carrier. <laughs>
1: not, not to put it bluntly, Chris, but I think you've got more chance of getting laid tonight than of that pitch winning.
3: He did pitch. He did say on Twitter at half five that he was quietly confident about
7: his I pitch was, tonight. I, was, I, was, I actually researched it. I thought I'm going to be a serious historian for once and not just babble on about boats and stuff. And I'm full of You
2: should have gone, gone with the boats. I should have gone with the
7: bloody
14: boat, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: I love that. Do you know what, Chris, I don't know if you're aware, but Louise in the house is another boaty person. Hey. Uh, she did her MA thesis on Fisher, and she, she was the one that wrote the um, article about the uh, yacht that sank off, I cannot say the name of it, for the Great War Group magazine. What's it called? The uh, Islayer. That's it. Mm. You have a fellow boaty person in the room, and even she looked disgusted.
7: With your argument. Yeah, I should
1: have gone with the boat. I'll
7: put the hat back on, now. Yeah.
1: There we go, yeah, put the hat back on. And I think it might be time to crack open the Korean drain cleaner out the back of the fridge, my friend. Right, we've had two, two new arrivals. There's Clive on a bus. I still cannot get over this. I cannot believe that he would taint
4: himself on a bus.
13: I was in such a hurry to get back to you.
1: This is really I like life,
4: well. does, this, does this not kind of disproves Clive point, Clive's point? point, though, about the bike being the the, the greatest vehicle. Oh, you just you totally to stole
13: to my to line.
4: <laughs> I written that.
13: Down. <laughs> 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 the problem's not with the bicycle. The problem is riding a bicycle with a suit and worrying about going through on the seat.
1: Oh yeah! Not only that, but I have to say, Clive, you were you said about what twenty minutes ago. You were going for a meeting with a potential client, and you were already on the bus. That doesn't bode well, does it?
13: Oh, good. I was back for. I had some really. I saw some really good people. It's worthwhile.
1: Excellent. Right. Well, you make your way home. We also have Mister Josh Proven with us. Hello, Josh. It's been a while. Been so long he can't work. Uh, yeah, work. It, it has but, been a while. I've
15: lost the lost the ability to internet.
1: Wonderful. I'm glad to see you haven't like done what everyone else has done after lockdown and cut off your beautiful Jesus hair. It's still rocking it. Oh uh,
15: this was here. This was here before, before the lockdown. It's not going anywhere.
1: Then. <laughs> Uh, right, OK, who shall we go to next? Um, oh, I love it. He says that Clyde looks like Bane and even sounds like Tom Hardy. <laughs> <He> does,
3: <yeah.
1: laughs> oh, does, Although, obviously, Clyde is far more masculine and attractive to women than Tom Hardy. Right, girls? What? Yes, indeed. <laughs>
15: oh. Thanks for that, Heather.
1: Right, OK, where shall we go next? Uh, well, it can't get any worse, can it? We love you, Chris. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Should
4: sh- 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 we get Beth out of the way before she falls asleep? I mean, I think I'm running on, like, you know, that point when you're so tired where you you go completely the opposite direction and I'm about to, like, run face first into a wall. I feel like that, like, I'm that, that level of tired, but I'll I'll crack off with mine for sure. Okay, so a bit of, bit of scene setting for you guys. Imagine Britain during the Industrial Revolution. Industry is exploding as the factory system churns out products on an unprecedented scale. Mines power, th- mine, mines power thundering new technologies and thousands of people flock to cities for the first time for work. Britain is on the cusp of changes that will shape the world as the we know today. But one significant drawback to further development is the problem that long-distance freight is still carried by road or canal, and there is no faster way than horseback to move people between the new urban centres. Something had to change. To me, this requirement of development and moving forward has led to the greatest single vehicle in history, not just because the vehicle itself is so iconic, which it is, but also for what it led to and the impact it had on the world. And that vehicle is is stevenson's rocket and i must start with the disclaimer uh, despite the international fame of the rocket it wasn't the first steam-powered locomotive um a previous one had been uh, haul- hauling loads from 1804 um, and the, ho- the loads the load that it hauled in 1804 which was 11 tons of iron and 70 men at the speed of 2.4 miles an hour too heavy for regular use but it was a step Um, showing that transportation on rail transportation was possible. If you've got the right technology of the the engineering being correct and you've got everything in place, it could be done. Obviously, industrial revolution is is absolutely powering through at this point in time. Uh, You know, the mills across northern England and the industrial centres, the manufacturing centres were churning out so much product that they needed to get out and export as soon as they could. particularly in manchester that required the creation of the liverpool and manchester railway but they had a problem again they haven't got a good enough method to move these goods and any passengers as well um and whilst initial experiments had shown promise it was not known really it was still a bit of a of a gamble that if steam engines would actually be any good for moving passengers and freight and so on so to establish the best like, design for it, the London and Manchester Railway started up like a, a competition as it were. Uh, performance trials to, defo- to find the most improved locomotive engine with a prize of £500, quite substantial in 1829. Conducted over nine days in October 1829 on a purpose-built section of the line in Rainhill, um, the trials were f- focused on finding out the best solution. So the task was simple. Uh, Ten return trips along one and a half miles of track, which would simulate the 30 mile run between Liverpool and Manchester. And the applicants were sent a set of design briefs, but there was not much to it. They were kind of given a bit of free reign to do what they wanted. Um, The judges weighed on the days itself of the trials. The judges weighed the locomotive and the load it was to haul and then recorded the amount of fuel and water taken on. They then timed the train over the run, the 10 runs, refuelled, did 10 more runs. And when the trips had been completed, the amount of fuel and water used and the average speed were calculated using science and numbers and stuff I don't like. Um, And the locomotive that could complete the ordeal most efficiently would be selected the winner. So, not necessarily even the best, it's the most, it's, it's most. Well, when you say best, like it's not the fastest or whatever it 's the m- most efficient it 's the most powerful it 's the most reliable rather than just speed, which I suppose is what the categories that a lot of people would think of is how fast is it not necessarily it's the whole product that's important. This is important because they're powered by coal, coal costs money, and having to frequently stop for water as part of um, the process of using steam trains would negate for any speed advantage. You know, it, there's, it's, there's a fine balance as to finding out which is the best product. The first day of the trials was attended by 10,000 spectators, you know, there was bands there and like almost like a carnival feel because it was just something completely new that people had never seen before. And it was a real meeting of like scientific minds as well. The Times wrote that there'd never been on that occasion, never on any occasion were so many scientific gentlemen and practical engineers to get collected together on one spot, about 10 competitors have put their name forward, but only five actually arrived at the trial. Two of these were almost like shelved straight away. One of them was basically just a platform with a horse on it, just like on a horse treadmill, making the power by horse, which is completely, really, there's diagrams of it. And it's, 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 it's hilarious. But it left with three um, options, one of those being the rocket, which was designed by Robert Stevenson and built at his company in Newcastle upon Tyne. And it was entered with conjunction with his father, George Stevenson, who was also an engineer, and Henry Booth, who had been the treasurer of the Liverpool and Manchester Railway. So he was also personally invested in it. Um, Robert was like a steam train, steam locomotive fanatic. Um, He said it would be the future of transport, fiercely defended it at any cost, um, stating at one point, we will rely upon it. Locomotives shall not be cowardly given up. I will fight for them until the last. They are worthy of any conflict um and this really this trials really showed the best of what steam locomotives could go, do at the time because as i said even though they had been around it was not the first use of the locomotive they'd never achieved like the speed and the power that was displayed at these trials the newspapers followed the progress they went all over the world described in colorful detail the achievements of the engines and and so on the rocket was the only locomotive to successfully complete all of the trials, averaging 12 miles an hour and achieving a top speed of 30. The Derby Mercury had described it darting past the spectators and compared it with, uh, comparing it with the rapidity with which the swallow darts through the air, which is, I think, just a lovely turn of phrase. And it that wasn't to say the other entrants weren't any good, one of them on occasions, was faster than the rocket, but the rocket was the all-round package, it had everything that was required of it. And although rocket impressed and ultimately did win at Rainhill, few of its features were new, you know, it was a combination and bringing together of the best parts of previous steam locomotives, so a more efficient boiler, um, a with, well, from a more efficient boiler to the blast pipe exhaust as well, which made the engine self-regulating so it could power, it could keep an eye on its power. And it was completely revolutionary. Um, Not anything that really had been seen before in the setup that it was. And those elements of Stevenson's rocket lay the foundations for what every steam locomotive built during the reign of steam on the world railways would use. It was the blueprint. Of course, there were developments as uh, technology so on improved, you know, finesse of things and so on. Um, but there was, though, it was the blueprint. This is how steam locomotives worked. Liverpool and Manchester Railway were thrilled with them and ordered four of them straight away. So this is now the start of where we get the the widespread use of bre- of steam locomotive as transportation, and it's a wider public fascination. That continued after the trials which really allowed the companies to then capitalise on this and get people in to come and use the locomotives. So like there were commemorative, commemorative items for sale, drawings, paintings, um, just so on, just anything that they could do to really hype up what the steam locomotive would be. Before the rocket powered its way to victory at the trials, steam locomotives had been very crude, as I said, and inefficient. However, the success of the trials did indicate that steam powered locomotives were now an accessible, but more importantly, viable transport option. Professional people could travel to another town, carry out a day's business and return home the very same day. An impossibility in the time of stagecoaches and something that a significant majority of the world's population still do today. The chance to move large amounts of cargo across longer distances made previously unheard of wonders common household items. It's quite possible that billions of pounds worth of cargo have been moved by steam trains in the period that they were used. A variety of ticket prices allowed for those of all backgrounds to explore the world beyond their own street and town. In Britain it led to the creation of travel as a pastime for all people, which led to the rise of the seaside resort, and holiday allowances for the working class of the cities to go and explore these places. So a bit of social mobility, fantastic. Freight was carried as well, but for the first time it was the passenger who was more important, so it's about people now. And crucially, More profitable as well. Investors saw the potential and in a few short years Britain would be in the grip of railway mania. The stage was set for steam to dominate the railways for over a century which it did with the last mainline steam service pulling into Liverpool Lime Street at 7.58pm on the 11th of August 1968. But the steam train, the steam locomotive, what the rocket led to and has become, is still part of the wider heritage sector I'm sure many of us have been on days out to places like Seven Valley Railway and so on. The famous Glenton and Viaduct draws people from across the world hoping to catch a glimpse of the Jacobite Express steam train or the Harry Potter train, whichever you want to call it. And should the Flying Scotsman happen to pull into a station that you're waiting at, well, prepare for lots and lots of train spotters gathering around for a picture or two. And the fact that something as inconspicuous as the rocket, and it really is, if you look at a picture, it's so small and so unassuming, really, that what the effect of it has had has been astounding. It's led to mass transportation of people and goods, social mobilisation of millions, immigration across countries and continents. The rocket has had a significant impact on the history of the world as we know it today. And that is why it's the best vehicle in history.
1: And you may now go to sleep. Well, no, you can't quite go to sleep yet because uh, we have to let Boney and Holmes uh, quiz you. God, that sounds like the worst lad show ever on Sky Sports at like eleven o'clock at night talking about third like not even but like the championship but the EFL football. Boney and Holmes. But,
3: I mean, at least uh, we wouldn't have to discuss Edronians if we were just
1: limited. True. Although Sam has gone and put, do you know what? Let's go to Sam first because one, <laughs> he, he has uh, gone and put on his Adrionian shirts, but he's also a complete train wanker. It's what he does. Were you impressed with Beth's argument?
12: Yeah, they're only one slight problem, and this is coming from somebody that works on the railways. They can only go one place where there's rails, which limits them to where they can go. So, how can it be a great form of transport if it can only go where the rails go? So, it doesn't cover 90% of the country. Does it pull up outside your, your house, Beth? You get a train stop outside yours? Well, I've got one five
1: minute walk away. She's looking at That smile on her face says, I hate you, Sam.
12: <laughs> <laughs> so, that's it. I'll just say, you're talking, Keith, to use a good word. <laughs>
2: That, that's your Great War Group subs going up considerably there, Sam. So.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just revoking the membership because I can. So, <laughs> Except you can't. If I
1: have to be the bigger person, so do you. <laughs> if being the bigger person sucks.
5: Beth is very, very scary when she's angry. So actually, I'm going to try and ameliorate that because a couple of weeks ago, I made Beth very, very cross. And so this is my attempt at apologies. <laughs> One thing she hasn't mentioned is that the reason we have time as we think of it today standardized time is the railways before then the time in southampton and norwich and, not- and nottingham didn't have to be the same but when people actually started moving fast enough you could get from one place to the other you needed a standardized timetable and so we actually standardized time we would not have time as we think of it without stevenson's rocket
2: and we wouldn't have trains not keeping to the time that they're supposed to be running if it wasn't for <laughs> stevenson's rocket
5: only in england and that's not steam that's that's something else that's a bureaucracy.
1: sublime bit of ass kissing there kit it was Boney, kit. Got anything to ask or add
2: having endured two hours of southern i was i guess inwardly cursing stevenson and his and his rocket slightly today as i was meandering my way back from from work um i, th- I think it was, i think it was well well reasoned very technical argument no, get
4: that from me, of all people.
2: I know. That's, that sort of blew my mind slightly. It must be sort of the more tired you get, the more technical you go. Maybe. That's very good. Um, yeah, 11 tons, 70 men. Is that 70 men weighing 11 tons? I, I, I don't know. But there we go. I, I, I thought you did very well, Beth. I don't agree with you, but I thought <laughs> you did very well indeed. Um, I, I, I think it was an impressive start. I just think, as Sam put it, they don't go everywhere. And especially now, they don't go everywhere. <laughs> and now they're run by people like Southern. So Stevenson probably is spinning in his grave. But
1: Oh, poor Beth chooses yeah. today to argue for a train. It's the first time Matt's gone into the office for about two years. Yeah,
3: uh, home. Certainly. I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really strong pitch. I mean, you know, I mean, compared to a zeppelin, all right, they go everywhere, but you're not going to plumb it three thousand feet in a fireball off a train, yeah. are you? <laughs> to go slightly wrong. Well, so there, uh, I, I guess the only issue, the only issue I have with with the rocket, as such, is you intimated there are already steam locomotives around. So, if the rocket wasn't invented when it was, is it fair to say that it, something would have come along six months, a year, two years later? They would have sort of fulfilled the sort of next step in the invention.
4: Yeah, but it didn't. <laughs> well, That's old you. <laughs> but,
3: true, true.
1: I yeah. love it. She gets she gets bolshy when she's had beer and no sleep. Uh, we're welcoming Lockie to the room.
3: Oh, yeah,
16: with the news that Beth has had beer, what, not only what, that, what, what, what?
1: but Clive's on a bus. Beth's drinking beer, and Chris thinks that Zeppelin's. Are the greatest vehicle of all time, and just neglected to mention the one that blew up.
16: Okay, I mean, that's
1: what you've missed. That's getting you up to speed. the thing.
16: That, the thing that they're famous for, you mean that that one <laughs> really obviously blowing up on film. <laughs> yeah,
2: and he, and he didn't. Okay. And he didn't mention the one that the Rocketeer blew up either in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah,
7: so well, the, one the Indiana Jones that. escaped on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I was slightly distracted during Beth's pitch because Clive. when I looked at Clive's video, it was just like strobing. It looked like he popped into a club for five minutes.
1: He may well have done. Oh, no, look, he's... he's, he's are you home?
13: I am just opening the front door now. I had to put the, uh, my phone into my pocket when I was walking on the street, so I did. The, where's
6: the butler? Why is the butler not opening the door?
13: I know, uh, she's... He's putting, he's the, putting the bus my in my the garage. Key, getting my key ready.
1: Are you referring to your wife as a butler? I hope she listens to this
13: episode. Really get it. That will be episode out.
1: Yeah, oh will it now? For a, for yeah, a price? For sure nice. Yes. <laughs> right, okay, where should we go next? Should we try one of our patching people next? Let's go to Paul. Hello, Mrs. Clive. <laughs> Hello.
13: Hello.
3: Tell us your favourite vehicle.
1: Hello like can i start now uh, are we done <laughs> are we done with mrs clive
11: Paul, oh,
1: go ahead uh,
11: ladies and gentlemen of history hack may i present the coracle as the greatest vehicle that is not an airplane ever made this small flat bottomed boat is thought to date back to pre-roman times and was widely used in shropshire scotland south wales ireland and southwest england this lightweight boat Could be carried by one person on their back like a shell by use of a chest strap, and in my opinion, has got it all. Need to commute across the river? Pre bridge, this was used by the workers crossing the River Severn from Ironbridge to Colebrookdale. Of course, once the Ironbridge was built, I'd imagine the work dried up a little bit for the uh, commute on the coracle. Could be used to catch your dinner and was ideal for fishing. Apparently, due to its being quiet on the water and the fact that the fish could not detect it in the dark. We used to catch many a dinner by the poachers like Big Neddy and Hellfire Jack along the River Severn at Ironbridge. But for me, the one thing that makes this boat unusual and one of the best vehicles is the role that it was used for at Shrewsbury Town Football Club by a man named Fred Davis. At the old game, Meadow ground, next to the River Severn, the stand was very low and flat. And the ball would go over there numerous times during the game. And this man would run from the dugout with the corkle to his back, quickly get into the Severn and fetch the ball back. Thus saving Shrewsbury Town Football Club lots and lots of money by not having to buy new balls every other week. And it's such an important article in football history it is actually, the coracle he used is in the National Football Museum in Manchester. But do not think you can only use this small flat-bottomed boat on a river. In 1974, a Welshman by the name of Bernard Thomas crossed the English Channel in a slightly slower time than your average crossing, ferry crossing, of 13 and a half hours. For me, the coracle is a vehicle that has it all for work, rest and play.
1: Well done. I like this one. I love the football link there. Uh Boney, you were particularly attracted to this one when it came up in the suggestions.
2: I thought it was very clever. And Chris, that's how you do a pitch. Um but <laughs> not, done I, <laughs>
0: um
2: I know I, when 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 it popped up on the emails, I thought that's really clever actually, because you have a mode of transport that you know is, is traceable just about everywhere. Um, changed many, many lives. I'm being really nice because you know he's he's paying for the privilege of doing this. Um, <laughs> oh, no, lay into me. It's fine.
1: I do love but, that. He's put in the chat. Shrewsbury turn more coracles than trophies. That's shit from <laughs> an Ipswich fan right there.
11: Well, I I worked it out. If you if you're looking at twenty seasons, twenty games at home. They reckon five to six times the ball was going into the river. You're looking at 2,000 match balls.
2: That's a lot. That's that. row Z in the half, really, isn't
11: oh, it? The, the stand was very flat at the Gay Meadow on the riverside.
5: Was Shrewsbury just not able to build a wall? <laughs> <laughs> <They could laughs>
11: They couldn't put a ball in front of their goalkeeper, let alone in
16: front of the stand. It sounds like my garden shed's bigger than their stand, to be honest.
3: <laughs> I, I, when you started talking about the coracle, the first thing I wrote down was Gay Meadow, because as a small child, every two years in Shoot magazine, they had an article about that bloke in the coracle, without fail. And then above that, I wrote, instead of spending money on the coracle to save money on balls, why didn't they sign players with better technical skills? <laughs>
2: Was to it, be fair, it was- I think Paul should get points just for being able to work Big Neddy into any conversation. So
3: Big Neddy and Hellfire Jack. They were oh, like yeah, the, the best 18th century DJs. Sort of fallen <laughs> out of favour, really. <laughs> were they, were they, am I misremembering, but were they made of reeds? Were they made of reeds on the bottom? Luckily, I've got
11: my phone to hand. <laughs> Willow, so, yeah. Willow and animal skins, originally.
2: All right. And according to Wikipedia, noted by Julius Caesar. So there you go. We're going, we're going way back. There you go. Thumbs up from Josh. So we're all, we're all good there. I, I mean, Julia, I did, she, did Julius
16: did Julius Caesar say, "I bet I could fish, fish a football out of a river with one of those things"?
3: Yeah, there's a massive problem with the Colosseum—a pond yeah. next to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> them, are they still used around Shrewsbury? Do they not have nostalgic coracle trips next? Well, to Well, I mean,
11: the they don't play there anymore. So no, I, but. When I found out today that I was going to be presenting this, I had done my research until half past 12. So if you look at the articles from Shropshire, they were used in times of flood until very recently, because obviously because they're flat bottomed, they're easy to get food and provisions to people. But now the fire brigade go in and get people out, don't they, instead. So
3: killjoys. Yeah. I I know, I mean, you mentioned about the chap who crossed it in the Channel, which is an impressive achievement. And you did say it was only slightly slower than a cross-channel ferry. But I think the word slightly was doing a lot of heavy lifting there for half hours. You know, it's uh, only 12 hours slower than a ferry.
11: The time you drive on, drive off, passport, Mm -hmm. using a post-Brexit ferry crossing as an example, where you're probably waiting for hours to get through.
1: Brilliant. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Paul. Hmm, let's do one more before we stop to replenish our drinks. Who're we going to pick on? Oh my god, right, Josh has got a hat on now. Josh looks like he's in his own little music video, a country music video down in the corner.
3: There's a there's a YouTube tribute band missing the edge tonight, isn't it?
1: <laughs> god, Josh, you could go next, you're all enthusiastic.
15: We'll see if I can remember to unmute the unmute the microphone before I start. But anyway, Right. Nice to see everybody, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, My subject is the chariot. Let me first begin by heading off those who would scoff at the concept of a vehicle without an engine. Thank you for bringing up the coracle there, Paul, for helping me out in the non-mechanized brigade. But today we are discussing the world's greatest vehicles, and to my mind, a vehicle is a device of transportation impelled or propelled by means other than the driver's own locomotion, so I don't want anyone saying that it's not a vehicle. But I won't argue with you if you do. And then we shall begin. <clears throat> so simple block wheeled wagons first began rumbling across the Eurasian steppe between 3,300 and 2,500 BC, allowing Indo-European nomads a far greater range of mobility than ever seen before. From these, tables on wheels surmounted with roundhouses and shape, roundhouse shaped keeps tilting and bumping over the roadless wastes hung with curling banners and jangling totems which could carry entire communities inevitably came the first war vehicles. Between 2100 and 1700 BC, dates which defy most attempts to place them in a recognisable time in the earth's history, the steppe nomads of of the Sintashta culture had developed spoked-wheeled chariots to carry their nobles to war and indeed into the afterlife. The open tundra and riverine plains surrounding the Southern Urals were the perfect laboratories for developing a proto-mechanized warfare. And the rudimentary carvings and pictograms of chariots in the Urals, from the Urals to the Altai show that a significant advance had been achieved in the way humanity was going to war. Take various, taking various forms to begin with and simplifying from a heavy box with four wheels, such as seen in Sumerian art. The emergence of the chariot as a status symbol as an important weapon spread across the ancient world. And by the Bronze Age, it was to be seen as at the heart of the Chinese, Celtic, Mediterranean and Mesopotamian armies. As David Anthony wrote that the steps were the innovation center of the late Bronze Age. You can quote, quote, the chariot driving the Shang kings of China and the Mycenaean princes of Greece, contemporaries at opposite ends of the ancient world at about 1,500 BC. They shared common technological debt to the late Bronze Age herders of the Eurasian steppes. Before making a case for the chariot as the ultimate weapon, however, I dare say the first tank, let's look at it as a starfish symbol. It was first and foremost a vehicle for the jet set. By the Bronze Age, there were streamlined two wheelers made by the finest craftsmen for a luxury market. that prized machismo to a degree that your current Ferrari and Porsche owners just cannot compete with. They had simple two horsepower engines with manual control gearboxes, each animal going from zero to 34, 40 miles per hour in 20 seconds with incredible turning ability. So direct your gaze now to the walls of Persepolis and Nineveh, to the palace walls of Mycenaean Greece and Ramesside Egypt, and eastwards to the temples of the Mauryan Empire and the tombs of the Qin dynasty. There is Ramesses II, his great composite bow at full draw, reins tied around his waist, guiding his prized horses. Mut is contented and victory in Thebes, if you're looking for baby names. With the slightest movements of his hips, and he loosing his arrows at the enemy. There is the Assyrian Sennacherib before the walls of Lachish, directing the assault and viewing prisoners from the cab of his chariot. Here is Asher Banipal, who takes his chariot for a spin, just hunting lions with bow and spear along the walls of Nineveh, as you do on the weekend. The great seals of the Persian Shahenshahs show them similarly riding their chariots into battle and battling lions. Outside of parliament today, a great scythe chariot carries a certain queen of the Iceni perpetually forwards as a part of national myth. And who amongst the officers of, of, of Agricola's legions, staring at the Caledonian host at Mons Grappius or Caesar's battles in the south, was not put in mind of Homer as the Celtic chariots raced and turned in the space between the armies? As a symbol of status and wealth, today's luxury cars don't even rate alongside the vehicle of a king. Even to those not of royal birth, are we to forget that the heroes of the Iliad rode into battle before Troy in chariots. Truly, these were vehicles of legend and not just monarchy. Was not the Pharaoh worshiped and Elijah taken up to heaven in a fiery chariot. The dream of owning the technological marvel, not just of the age, but of any age, meant to dream of becoming exalted enough to ride in a chariot, yet, What is that noise we now hear? Calling to us from much closer antiquity. It is the roar of a crowd, an ecstatic, frenzied, cheering from the packed galleries of the Circus Maximus as their favorite charioteers rounded the last turn. Drivers whose names were carved in graffiti on the back lanes and public works of cities rather than the hallways of palaces. As popular heroes rose to fame in the cabs of their chariots these were the F1 race cars of the Roman Empire, and none of the drivers were born in a palace. So, from the seats of the circus, let us return to the east to a hilltop fortress in ancient Syria, from whose high battlements we look down onto a sun baked plain spreading out beyond the green verges of a twisting river. There on the flat tableland, a great dust storm rises and the air resounds and comes up to us distantly as a rolling of distant thunder. Down on the plains below Chadesh, maybe 5,000 chariots were locked in a death struggle, exhibiting why these things are a mad cross between a proto-tank and a fighter plane. When mass chariotry was introduced, it revolutionized warfare, and this level of mobile vehicular combat would not be seen again until the middle of the 20th century. Yet by the time of the rise of Rome, they were seen as old-fashioned, antique symbols of authority, things to ride into a concrete city on, were oriental despots to keep as a visible sign of their power. Alexander the Great saw them charge at Galgamele and on the banks of the Hidaspes in the sunset of a technological revolution that was quickly forgotten. Yet, listen again, for another crowd is cheering. No, it's not from the Circus Maximus, it's from the crowded streets of the city. For as a Roman general enters Rome in his triumph, gilded as satin and wreathed in laurel, riding in the cab of a chariot as if he was conquering it himself, all the while he listens to a man behind him in turning the dire words, remember thou art but a man. Is it the triumph? Is it the chariot? Both probably come together to hell. My friends, today we will, many today will make an argument for tanks and cars and vehicles like Zeppelin's. Uh, with with internal combustion engines, but these inventions have existed for merely a brief hundred years or so compared with the chariot. Even in civilian terms, a particular type of coach in the 19th century was known as a chariot. So friends and listeners, I have made my case. If we are truly talking about the greatest vehicle man has ever invented or indeed ridden, then let us think back when he thought forwards to the age of the chariot.
1: Wow, that was actually sheer poetry. We've not had one along those lines since Merrin last came on. I feel all cultured and shit. Although, because you were talking, you missed Kit get absolutely burned with nerdiness. So Kit said in the chat, the best thing about chariots is that you move two spaces and have attack three early on in civilization." thinking, have that, my fellow nerds. Girl, (laughs) Sam, comes back with, incorrect Kit the best thing is when your enemy in civilization still has chariots but you've developed gunpowder (laughs) Kit's actually applauding you there well done Sam uh Josh I really like that it was very beautifully done a lot of thought had gone into that I think it sadly might be wasted on Holmes who's probably a little bit of an He's for some reason Holmes doesn't seem that into poetry it's like something has scarred his ability
3: um, growing, growing up so in the midlands in the 1970s I mean, well yeah like.
1: that maybe an overconsumption of gravy but it's almost like <laughs> someone's yep. poetry has just destroyed your ability to entertain it at
3: all well I mean I, I, the first thing I wrote was, it was too much history in this who let him in for a start <laughs> it's a higher caliber than we, what we're used to to be honest um and then the, the next thing I, I, I wrote don't know I'd
15: fire the get the doorkeeper if I were you
3: well we can look at that the next thing I wrote was <laughs> they Always look too easy for to fall off from, and then the third thing I wrote was, What they don't oh, really, you're, yeah. You're the, you're the judge for this, um, that's <laughs> what got you got. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm the judge, so it's so easy to own. fall
15: off. How easy it is to crash in, in a vehicle. What today. I mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what, I, what I'd never get with chariots, and they were around. Yeah, right, they were around. Yeah, I mean, you first yeah. mentioned that they were used by the Chinese in Mesopotamia. Well, actually, it was like the,
15: step nomads in the Urals. Yeah. So
3: from the Bronze Age to even, you know, if the statue you mentioned of uh, Boudicca is correct. You know, I see, we're talking thousands of years that they were around for. Yeah. yeah. But what I, why did they never evolve and have four wheels and a little bit at the back?
15: Well, some of them did have four wheels. And like I say, at the beginning, they were like massive platforms that nomads could sit on. But when they started to speed up, it's a mathematical thing that the larger it is, the slower it is, and the more horses you need to pull it. The means of locomotion is a horse. Therefore, you need it to be light and quite small.
3: And I suppose my other point, they were not, in terms of, I mean, Beth made a very strong case about the railways, which had a big impact on lots of people, a large percentage of society. But I guess hardly anyone got to have a go in a chariot. Well, unless you're one of the 5,000 riders who had
15: to drive them or the many hundreds of years of actually driving in the Circus Maximus or the people involved in... <laughs> So, that, so, that's, so that's broadly a no,
3: then I'm taking. No, it's an,
15: absolute, that's a, it's an absolute yes, actually, because there's a whole <laughs> industry around chariots. I mean, how many people get to ride in cars, sports cars, and stuff like that? <laughs> it's like. And how then many
1: we, people get to ride in a Zeppelin?
15: Exactly. Let's, ex, let's expand the chariot. <laughs> and and expand land the chariot. And one as well. Yeah. And Let, expand, why don't we expand the chariot to uh, early wheeled, like the fastest form of early wheeled transport? So wagons. Oh,
1: um, I think if you nip that off of someone else in this room, they're going to get fighty with you. You
15: know, I, I, I mean, it's the progression, the, you know, it's the progression of the wagon and chariot. Although,
1: of the- Josh, you missed one thing out in your oh, article. Oh, no. Um, and I know Dave was itching for to got? mention it. Dave, what did he not mention?
10: What did I get? He oh, didn't mention Ben-Hur. I know, I know. It and, history. I know. And, and it, the literary appearance of Lou Wallace
15: absolutely absolutely it's one of the the classic films of the 20th century Ben here and indeed literally uh, literature and the chariot race is indeed uh an embedded part of cu- modern culture now
1: it is but I just remember yeah. it told off when I was little <laughs> for watching it because you know the that's <laughs> the bit where his mate who two, t- who two double crosses in ends up getting dragged along and like buried under it <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to laugh hysterically at that scene. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's always a bit like Easter and everybody's all like serious family time. I vaguely remember getting my ass whooped for myself laughing.
15: Yeah, I mean, that is a really That's impressive... A it is a really impressive scene, though, the chariot race, and in, in the Charlton Heston one, I'm not talking about the remake. Yeah. Been,
1: no, the remake never happened as far as any of us are concerned. Yeah. <laughs> what remake? Boney, what do you think <laughs> of this one?
2: Well, which remake? Because
1: any of them. The Charlton really?
2: Heston one is a remake. Of? Of the original Ben-Hur that of like
15: made the made like in the, the 20s. Like the silent, like the silent or was it? Which
2: actually, the Chariot Race and the silent one's better. Is it? i not
15: that will not, not mention that,
2: that a whole bunch of people died in the making of that. Series, <laughs> but, <and> well, well <laughs> welcome, Josh. It's been like a whole week since we've had you on History Hack, So it's...
5: Is this true? Is it's it? absolutely true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So... Uh, Gore Vidal was one of the screenwriters on the remake of Ben-Hur and the actor who played I can't remember who the villain's name is its a, is mm-hmm. something
1: He looks really like Arsenal. Saul
5: David Mas- oh, yeah. Mas- So he, he went to Gore Vidal and said um, Is my character gay? Is, is Ben-Hur gay? <laughs> and, and he was told by the screenwriter Yes Do not under any circumstances tell Charlton Heston <laughs> so the entire production knew that Ben Hur was a gay romance except Charlton Heston.
1: That's brilliant. Excellent. Bony, apart from Ben Hur factoids, have you got anything else on the chariot?
2: I thought I was judging the chariot. You want me to throw some stuff in? Let's let's see. Oh, it's in, awesome it's in, questions. It's in, it's in it, I don't know. It mi- mixed reviews in the Bible, of course. Um, you know, it seems if you if you if you fight God with a chariot, you'll probably lose. I mean, if um, you fight
15: God with most things, you, yeah, you lose. Yeah. I mean, the Bible's a bit one sided on
2: that. It, it, it is. It is. We'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 give, we'll give you that. Um, what else we got here? Sorry. He says, checking these things out. I there I've are always wonder. Sa- Ab- sorry? I said, there are a lot of chariots in the Bible to oh, yeah. the Old Testament. The one that's always caught my eye is Absalom had yeah. was it 50 guys running in front of his chariot. Which makes me think those, oh, the run, yeah, yeah, 50 guys out. must be really fast because, yeah, you know, let's face it, he was probably. Indeed. Trying to run them
10: down.
15: I, I, I think what that is is like chariot runners, so attendants rather than them actually pulling his chariot. Oh, I'll,
2: don't, 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 don't spoil it. A while. My, my <laughs> um, I, 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 I think that, I think that was sound, but it was sort of going for like the, as you mentioned yourself, it was an ancient supercar, so therefore. You're being very niche. Um, and I don't know if we can say that as much as we'd like to say that a Ferrari 512 is the greatest vehicle that was ever created, considering there's only been 2,000 of them made. it's I think there was lots of chariots, but it was a niche sort of thing. So I don't know. You made a good pitch, though. I enjoyed it.
15: Thanks. I mean, it is, it's niche because everybody else is going to have an engine, I think. I think that the chariot was... You know, it's true. It was a specialist thing to drive because even kept, like people riding a horse was somewhat specialist back in the day. But um, I can take that point. I, I don't mind it being niche. It's a special car. It's a special vehicle. It deserves. It's a, it deserves its pedestal on a niche corner.
1: <laughs> on that philosophical note, uh, we will go and refill our drinks, and make sure Beth's still awake, and then we'll be back. Okay, we're back, and everybody has filled their glasses. I'm very proud to see that Louise is drinking from her uh, War Books mug, uh, which is joyous that one has made it all the way to Aberdeen.
14: I'm uh, drinking wine out of a tin mug. Classic. Excellent. And what does the mug say? Hooray. It says War Books,
1: coffee in that order. Excellent. We all, we have a bag as well, don't we, Beth? It says it's a tote bag, and it says the War Books made me buy them we are nerds. Right, okay. Let's go to Kate next. <laughs> she was like happily on Facebook or something. She's like,
6: shit. I definitely wasn't concentrating, sorry. <laughs> um right, yeah, sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, I'm I'm fully concentrating now. I'm there. So um full credit or maybe blame for this one goes to Boney. Um, I had said I'd be doing Tin Lizzie, the Ford Model T, the first affordable automobile. However, Matt mentioned this idea and I was sold, so let's see if I can sell it to you too. To start with, what constitutes a vehicle? Something which transports people or goods? What makes a vehicle great? being the first or only of its kind, being better than any other, or because it is reliable, economical, safe. I'm going to argue that the very first mode of transport ever remains to this day the greatest. They came millennia before the wheel, let alone lorries and bicycles. Legs, almost 100% of us have them. We use them pretty much every day from the day we start to crawl. And for all but a very few of us, they continue to function perfectly well for longer and require less maintenance than any other vehicle. If they do receive some minor damage, they generally heal themselves quite well. Legs. They can be worth a billion quid, have powered people to speeds of almost 28 miles an hour, covered over 19,000 miles in one go, And reached heights of 8,849 metres, as high as there is to go. On average, our legs will carry us over 110,000 miles in a lifetime. Legs are safe. There are less accidents involving people travelling by leg than any other vehicle, though Clive may argue that one after his recent brush with a stray pedestrian. Legs don't run late. They're not expensive. They don't cost a fortune to buy or have high running costs and complex systems that can break at a moment's notice. The government don't tax your legs. Legs don't cause pollution. They aren't gas guzzling, not powered by fossil fuels. Their production doesn't require a factory and they aren't delivered by lorry. Legs are the most environmentally friendly vehicle ever to have existed. They don't explode. Legs can cover any terrain on earth. They don't skid on a corner or get a puncture on rough ground. They don't sink. They can be used to commute, to relax, to explore, for business, for sport and for fun. As well as being a vehicle in their own right, legs are all but essential to operate most other vehicles. And how do you get to your vehicle of choice? That's right, using your legs. Legs were the first vehicle ever. They're environmentally friendly, safe, economical and reliable. What more do you want from the greatest vehicle?
1: Uh I think you're gonna get shat on with this one, judging by all of the scowly faces in the room. <laughs> the fact that one of them is lucky after he freaking him and his pubs. Uh he look, that's his scowly face he held up while you were reading. Uh oh, but without oh,
6: his legs he wouldn't have done the marathon and that was amazing. What an achievement. And he raised loads of money and it was brilliant.
16: I hate He's my legs, yeah. especially after, after the marathon. They're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs>
6: No one higher wouldn't Well,
3: you? I was I was flippantly gonna say he'd have done it a lot fucking quicker in a vehicle, but
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but actually because as soon as Kate started, I thought Bollocks, not having this. So <laughs> I, I I didn't I didn't really listen to what she was saying because I thought, right, I will I will Google a definition of vehicle, and it says a thing used for transporting people or goods, especially on land. Then it gives examples such as car, lorry or cart. But I think if we stick with the the thing used for transporting people or goods, especially on land, I actually think legs qualify. So despite my flippancy, looking at that definition that I just found off the internet, I don't know where, I don't know if it's the best definition of legs there is, but I don't think we can dismiss it on the grounds that they're they're, they're simply legs. There's not a
15: a vehicle in in the case... In, in the case, in, in, in the language, require it to be a, th- a thing that is built?
3: Well, no, it says, it says a thing used for transporting people or goods, especially on land, and then it says such as, which means examples of a car, a lorry, or a cart. All of which are built. It doesn't say in
5: the definition that it has to be built. What are I mean? you saying leg- elephant leg- is a vehicle? Le- legs are built in well, That's I an animal story. used for transport. Yeah, well, this is exactly the same you know, thing as a leg.
3: Ah, yeah, an yes, I see. For transport, yes. So I, I was hoping... Def- there, <laughs> I, I was hoping that if I looked up the definition, it would allow me to kill this off straight away. But the definition i found seems to support it. Although, I, I mean, legs. your
1: reliability answer, unfortunately, didn't factor Beth in, who's forever falling over. Um, I was going to say, my legs do a lot it more than... He
4: doesn't have hard. a
3: leg to stand on. I think, to be fair, that's a liver's fault, not a leg's fault, isn't it? Yeah, uh, you'd have to... See- <laughs> I guess you'd
15: have to... Yeah, you can't
6: drink and drive, so you shouldn't... You no, know, you, you're not supposed to drink <laughs> and drive,
4: you shouldn't drink and walk. Mate, you can't mate, drink and my and legs exactly. do me harm when I'm, I can fall out of bed and I'll break my legs. I don't, I don't need to be drunk to cause myself damage, sir. So.
2: But that, that's when your sugar level has dropped below a certain level and they just stop working. <laughs>
15: Is it legs. anything with legs, like Kit says, so camels, elephants, horses?
3: It'd be Said interesting to hear him, him, take because he, by well, the sounds of it, he suggested this, so he must think for a moment <laughs> it's legit. Although
1: Kit says trigger <laughs> warning for Oscar
17: Pistorius, story <laughs> <laughs> not be around guns, period. We
1: can laugh at him not because he has no legs, but because he got away with shooting someone, so he should deserve to be mocked.
16: Yeah, I'm not sure trigger warning is uh, is a safe yeah. phrase around him.
13: He
1: probably, he needed a better getaway vehicle. <laughs> oh. And great. that's the point where oh. I need to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> we're
13: we're done. It's, it's, it's,
15: it's, it's over. history hack. We, we,
2: <laughs> we, we've done well. <laughs> we're coming, we're coming up on 900 episodes just, before the lawsuit. And there it is. <laughs>
9: yeah.
14: <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.
1: <laughs> bony put us back on track
0: i can't
2: because i think i think kate was incredible she did really well she would have done but she did better better than i would have pitched that so i'm 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 like i'm like that you know the person who's seeing their prodigy go running off just, with the gold medal it's it's fantastic can I, can
15: I just take issue with one of the judges what, like sort of coaching one of the people pitching <laughs> no, 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 blatant blatant yes. I'm- coaching. <laughs> or like I I just said we, that we, he's going to accept like say is really like you're a judge. So how can you not?
2: Know? <laughs> to to if we're being brutally honest here, Kate stole my idea. What? I Yeah, we what? we she, she she look at her She looks all sweet, but she's a
10: stealer. Um
2: <laughs> we had a recording and we were chatting about this. She said for ah, I, I said if I wasn't judging, I would do legs. And I saw her eyes go, ooh. <laughs> And and and, 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 and so I think I do have to recuse myself from this until I make it the winner when Holmes isn't looking later.
6: To be fair, it was all my own work. It, it was, was yeah. Just the idea. It was just the word legs was the only prompting I had. I promise. Yeah. She put in a lot of leg work. I
13: believe she did. <laughs> the word legs, legs was, leg. was a trigger word.
1: <sighs> right, you lot. I'm not convinced, personally. I haven't decided whether it... Sorry. Was. I thought it was a great
15: pitch, too. I, I you're you're, you're a not a pit. judge,
2: Alex, so it doesn't really matter.
1: Well, it does, because it's my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not... I'm not Rank Alex. Poor Rank. Uh, yeah, Paul <laughs> Rank. Right. I'm not being railroaded like I was with pubs, because that was bollocks. Uh, right, OK. <laughs> you good I'll
15: put the hat on. She,
2: she, says, she says all the time to Zach and I when she needs us to do something, it's our podcast but then every (laughs) once in a
1: while (sighs) oh right okay where should we go next i'm gonna
17: go to let's go to Heather next okay so i'm saying the space shuttle is the best vehicle ever and for whoever wants to say it's an airplane technically it's not um but it was brought about as a partially reusable low earth orbital spacecraft system. So it's spacecraft. Um, It was operated between 1981 to 2011 by NASA. Um, There were four successful orbital test flights in 1981 with operational flights beginning in uh, 1982. They had five complete shuttle, space shuttle orbiter vehicles built and they flew on 135 missions. They launched from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and when they launched, they many times would be taking up lots of payload things like tracking and data relay satellites, reconnaissance satellites, communication satellites, atmospheric and earth research satellites for atmospheric chemistry, solar radiation, space plasma physics, and ultraviolet astronomy, and to study how the sun affects the climate and the environment. It also took up the uh, Hubble Space Telescope, the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory, um, the Galileo Probe, which was to study Jupiter and its moons, the Magellan Probe, which was to map the surface of Venus, and the Ulysses, which was a probe to study the sun. They also um, took up things for um, the MER docking module back when MER was actually a thing and hadn't come back to Earth. And it also took up the Chandra. Chandra X-ray Observatory. They also repaired telescopes and satellites, as well as brought supplies to space stations for both um, the astronauts and supplies for the actual space station. Um, it participated with Russia in the Shuttle mir space program and helped construct and service the international space stations. Um, It took up astronauts to perform important scientific experiments, such as research on gravity and microgravity and how it affects humans and other matter like plants. Um, The fleet's total mission time was 1,322 days, 19 hours, 21 minutes, and 23 seconds. It's made up of um, four different components, which is the orbiter vehicle, three clustered rocket Dine RS-25 engines, a pair of recoverable solid rocket boosters, and the expendable external tank containing liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. So during launch, it's launched like a conventional rocket, and it's helped by two solid rocket boosters along with the orbital's three main engines. And um, the solid rocket boosters are jettisoned before reaching orbit, while the main engines continue to operate until the expendable external tank is jettisoned. After the main engine engine cutoff, so right after the main engine cuts off and before orbit insertion, the two orbital maneuverable system engines are engaged, and then at the end of the mission, the orbital orbiter, excuse me, fires the orbital maneuvering system to deorbit and reenter the atmosphere, and the orbiter is protected during reentry by the thermal protection protection system tiles, and would glide to. Um, a runway landing. So there were five different orbiters with the first orbiter, which technically they don't count as the other five orbiters as the Enterprise. <clears throat> and it was used in the approach and landing test, but no ability to, orb- to orbit. And then they had the Columbia, the Challenger, Discovery, Atlantis and Endeavour. The Spatial was retired from service following Atlantis's final flight on July 21st, 2011. But the fact that it was reusable, parts of it were reusable, meant that it was a little bit cheaper and that we could shuttle more things to and from outer space a lot easier. So that's why I'm saying it's the best.
1: I like this one. I like anything to do with space.
6: Um, I
2: was I was gonna initially say it was a space plane, which technically could be vetoed but i've just turned to history hack guest roland white's book into the black and he calls it a spacecraft and roland's clearly done a lot more research on it than i have so we'll let you off
15: i was gonna say the the key thing is you can have evas from them but it's extra vehicular activity yeah that's the vehicle
2: Yep. yeah and when you do an extravehicular activity from an airplane, it involves lots of falling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's never good. No, I, th- no, I exactly. think that's <laughs> <same>. <laughs> um, I think I think that is, I think that is actually a strong one because as vehicles go, it's probably pin- pinnacle of pinnacle of man's achievement in moving quickly. Um, not without not without its tragedies. I do have a Columbia story which we can share later. Um, which happened just after. The-
0: In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The, uh, the tragedy, which is really, really terrible. But um, I think that's pretty strong. Um,
12: no, I've just got Can I present. challenge just one?
1: Yeah, go
12: on. I've oh, seen it in the chat. Yeah. Who's me being on the Sorry, Heather. I've got to challenge you on this one, right? It's a spacecraft which is powered going up. Yep. When it re enters the Earth's atmosphere, It's no longer powered. Yeah. It's still flyable. It's still controllable, which makes it a glider, which is an aircraft. So I think this one should be knocked in the head. Surely it's an aircraft if it's a glider. Yeah,
2: but you can say anything moved by gravity then is out. So therefore, when Josh's horses die and that chariot goes rushing down a hill on its <laughs> own,
10: that's, that's out. <laughs> so they so just spontaneously therefore... die
3: <laughs> on the day. <laughs> also, <laughs> when, when, when Beth has one of her falls, that fucks legs up as well, doesn't it? On a side basis. <laughs> what, I mean, what happens
15: when you cut an engine in a plane? Does it become a glider? Zeppelins don't, they float. For
7: the engine's going to a
2: and until someone flicks their cigarette into the wrong bit. Look
7: a bit. That's why you smoke in the smoking room. Yeah, I mean, are they
1: technically gliding when they're coming to earth in a ball of fiery hell?
2: No, falling.
8: Falling <laughs> is different than gliding.
14: Or is that just crashing? <laughs>
2: Wait, come on, F- falling when you're on fire, surely that's the definition of falling with style, isn't it?
17: It's
1: Especially if you make three, three, three grand and a half,
17: isn't it?
1: Three grand
2: in old money. money.
17: Get, get word flame out
2: no no i i think oh, i think cool. we've had we the, the bar hasn't been particularly high this evening um legs was fantastic just gotta throw that in there <laughs>
4: um,
2: but but i think heather's heather's done very well there i i i like the space shuttle and i can tell you my columbia story later
4: i just love how sam's come in on his first one and has just he's gone i choose violence tonight yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's why I, that's, matt now you know why i wanted him here yeah, my dad's only because I may
12: not be invited back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Holmes, what about you? Are you sold by this spacecraft?
3: I I am. It's a spacecraft in my mind. I mean, it's sort of quite... It was quite a big thing. I mean, I remember watching the first one. At school, we had to watch it take off sort of thing, the first ever one. It was sort of quite inspirational. It was almost like a sort of Worldwide Uniting thing, really. Well, I we used, used to, to get
5: United. to go into school late, up, late if there was up, a show up, Oops, sorry, Kit, what? Uh, World Ward United is an awful football team. I, I mean, my problem with it is that there were five shuttles and two of them blew up.
3: <laughs> yeah, but there are Zeppelin manufacturers that kill for that safety record, so. <laughs> they had that <laughs> safety record.
5: Technically,
2: te- 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 one blew up and one burnt up. It,
3: well, yeah,
5: one, one disintegrated into all, all, but yeah, actually, as yeah. it re-ended, sorry, I apologize. Yeah, so it's it's, not, that's,
2: it's not that bad, it's still better than a Zeppelin.
17: Missions, with 133 being successful, that's better odds than cars.
5: That is not better odds. Are you telling me that you've travelled in a car 135 times and twice you've had a fatal crash? <laughs> this
17: is my this is my maths, man.
5: <laughs>
17: Don't bring your the science, science to this,
1: part. Yeah, this is
15: podcast. Could the scientists all, so please
2: be quiet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people with like, with their facts and statistics, <laughs> you're you're not welcome here. <laughs>
2: Let, let's be fair colombia made 28 28 successful flights that's more times than i've been to my office in the last two years so i think that that's pretty good going for a vehicle
1: i think you're clutching at straws now right okay i like that one heather uh, i think that was quite strong Um, and uh, I don't buy I love I love that Sam is I think we've got someone who's more competitive than Beth because not only is he here to win but he'll sabotage the shit out of everyone else's argument to get there (laughs) as well which is great Uh, I love that and he's changed how many Adrianians football shirts do you own?
12: Uh, Well this is my second one so this is the way top and you might like our sponsors if you can see that oh sorry I'll get that better. I'm going the wrong way. Whole oh. Masters. Whole Masters. It's the local strip club just up the road.
1: Excellent.
12: That's amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, lucky. So, so many
15: funny. jokes about scoring. So many jokes.
12: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's something that Airdronians only ever do in their sponsors' premises.
12: <laughs> I'll say it again. We are top of the league. <laughs> any holes a goal or any
16: goals that No? Which, <laughs> what God. way does that saying go? I'm not sure. All right, any holes a goal.
1: Let's move on from the holes and the goals before this gets very history hacked. We don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of our guests. Uh, right. Not that we haven't done that already. <laughs> Who have we got left? Raise your hand if you haven't been yet. Right. Four four of you, four massively competitive people left to go. Outstanding. Right, let's start with Lockie.
16: Ah, so, I mean, I had some options, because initially in the the week I was going to go for something else, wasn't I? I I kind of built this on a bit of a process of elimination. I I kind of wanted to eliminate anything horse-drawn. Sorry, Josh, but I, I feel like that's more about the horse. Than the vehicle, and uh-huh. I, I, I like I like horses. I'm, I'm don't interested. don't start with me, Andy. Okay, don't attack.
15: you I'm wearing a hat. Okay, yeah. I mean you go your own something. way, bro. You go your own way, but leave the chariot out of it. I
3: mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lock, lock lock and, is onto something because the last thing I wrote on the on Joss's pitch was it's basically a barrow you tie to a horse. So I yeah, think, yeah, think yeah, you're onto something. Could we
15: just just go back horse. into antiquity here and see? what we're dealing with technology-wise (laughs) you
16: have to revisit the subject (laughs) okay it's my picture now um i mean then i kind of uh, took completely veering the other way i was going to do something jet powered and have the bluebird cn7 which was donald campbell's um world speed record car um but then yeah a it's kind of more of a plane than a car really and and, in technology terms b i don't know how many people have heard of it so its impact is questionable C. i i've got scientists in the room and and they'll take me apart if i try and do a science so um um, trains as well i did consider but again i was kind of the whole kind of limited argument you know range and and stuff you know as long as you're next to one and, and, and I'm kind of drifting towards my lane, really, here and, and the First World War. And, and, you know, there are conversations about like light railways. Oh, but there's light railways. I mean, it's exactly the same problem, but smaller. You know, they, they still can't go anywhere other than where their rails are. So I'm thinking something with an engine, something with wheels, and something that had real impact. And so, surprising absolutely no one, I'm going to stay right in my lane and start talking about the First World War tanks um, again no not tanks well, no, then. They, I, they weren't the most meaningful vehicles in the in the first world war let alone kind of outside of it um trucks um now there were quite a lot of different kinds of truck in the first world war but actually the Dennis 3 ton truck is my choice um Because, I mean, generally speaking, if something's good in society now, chances are it was probably used in the First World War to some extent. There were lots of different trucks in the First World War, lots of different three ton trucks in the First World War. But I picked the Dennis because basically it was the best of them. All right. Others were a bit slower. Others um, were a little bit trickier. Others were produced in the United States. And obviously, we're not interested in any of that sort of stuff. Um, So, yes, the Dennis truck. You've heard of a streetcar named Desire. This is a brown lorry called Dennis, Um, why does it matter for the First World War? Um, Really, come, I kind of focus. Never mind on the kind of attritional stages of this, bringing the war to an end. um, You either restore movement or you fight until everyone dies. Okay, and any time breakthrough looked likely in the First World War, gaps closed. For the reason that defenders were working on their communication lines. They had railways. They had light railways linking everything up. They had defenders in position. So could you get supplies into position before the defenders resupplied? The only way to do that was to have a vehicle that could do it over broken ground. And here's where the trucks come in, Um, quite simply. If you get supplies there first, you win. Could you do it with horses? (laughs) You could, but you wouldn't get as much forward um, with them because their food supply is too bulky. Okay, you, you could took up too much space. You could you could move more with a tin of petrol than you can with a whole load of horse feed, uh, as well. And and kind of I guess the example there is is the German army by comparison to the British army, very much more horse dependent. And I'm thinking of um, their spring offensive in 1918. Uh, For example, where they didn't, you know, they couldn't move enough stuff with their horses. So they're totally dependent on capturing rail and rolling stock because they don't have the trucks. And in the end, they can't do that and their offensives um, peter out. Uh, By 1918, Britain and France had enough trucks to keep their troops supplied over broken ground. And this actually played a big part in um, Germany's eventual defeat and ending Britain's worst war. All right. Um, You can bring it forward into World War II, if you like. German army is still largely horse-drawn and the Allies were mechanised from start to finish. Um, Nowadays, the Royal Logistics Corps is the biggest formation in the British Army. Um, So clearly they prioritise it. I mean, the Dennis, they three-ton truck. It was even prior to the war, it was recognized as important. They did this thing called the subsidy scheme, uh, where they would actually pay people out to run their own trucks and use their own business on the uh, understanding that the War Office would get them if war was declared. Um, and these things were good. You know, they had a top speed of 15 miles an hour uh, or so. Um, a 40 horsepower engine, if you're interested in that sort of thing. If could climb a one in six gradient, fully loaded, happy days. But what I like about them is that they were the most important vehicles on the road. As in, um, but especially the road repair ones. Um, they painted them red, which isn't very sneaky, but that wasn't the point. Um, they could run Douglas Haig off the road. Uh, they wanted to because they were dashing forward to repair roads and keep everything moving. That was the principle um, on logistics. So as, as far as this war goes, they were absolutely vital. Great. What does it matter now? Um, I think we know how important trucks are uh, now. I mean, the shortage of truck drivers in this country that has seen shortages of food and um Uh, fuel uh, in a way that, you know, trains don't quite work in the same way. It's getting things out to places and out to people uh, that only really trucks can do uh, rather than trains. A shortage of drivers equals a shortage of trucks moving, which is a shortage of food. So trucks make the world go round uh, quite simply. Their importance is not questionable. Um, and you know, as we've got to kind of pick a specific moment, a historical moment for this, I've gone for that becoming clearest first, and that's in the Great War. Uh, and the Dennis uh, three tonner was the best of the lot. So there you go, Dennis three tonner, best vehicle.
1: Well done, Lockie. We've got—I'm not saying they're old enough to have served in the Great War, uh, but we've got a couple of military men who are well acquainted with trucks in a military context. Sam,
12: Christopher? My my only thing with a truck is, right, to service a truck, you need a very highly skilled mechanic. Yeah. So that's where the, the drawback is with trucks. Also, you don't need to feed a horse until it's done its job and it's come back again. You don't need to carry its food with you. You leave it in the rear. You need to carry fuel for the truck.
16: You do still need to to be more than a horse than perhaps you you might think as well. I think that most horses lost during the First World War were actually down to poor grooming and skin conditions. So you, you, it's 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 a more skilled thing than you think, actually, looking after horses uh, in the field. And and
15: it it certainly is. But on the other hand, you, if you think about what they were dealing with in the First World War and the skin conditions and whatnot, probably driving on the Western Front rather than say the Mesopotamian France, where you had a lot more horses doing a lot more useful things. Um, and also, also, I mean, not, not to mention the fact thousands of years of military history just disagreeing completely with the fact that horses cannot supply hundreds of thousands of men. Napoleon in Russia on the way in was all horses. Didn't say they couldn't, just said that. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Pro-
15: of- argument for progress.
1: <laughs> I love that Josh has, Josh has literally got his argumentative hat on today. I have. I love it.
10: One thing I learned learned from the American Civil War uh, that if you don't feed a horse in seven days, you've got a dead horse. That if your trunk, your truck runs out of gas, you just go back and get more gas and fill it up and continue.
1: Can we just confirm, though, that you didn't learn that personally during the Civil War, but you learned about when you were
10: researching the Civil War. Oh, you got me on that one.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just don't want people sitting here thinking, wow, that dude must be like 200 years old. <laughs>
10: like, there, there are times that I feel American like it. I'll tell you.
5: If we're talking about the Confederates in the American Civil War, remember, if you don't feed a horse for seven days and it dies, then you can feed your army as well.
14: Yeah, you can't <laughs> eat a
5: truck.
1: Mm. <laughs> that is probably Chris, the most uh, useful thing Chris has said all night. <laughs>
15: I think to be fair to uh, Andy's Andy's sort of thing here, the the difference between like there are definitely pros and cons to both. I mean, if you lose the fuel for the truck, it sits there until you get more fuel. Likewise with the horse. Hopefully, you can have it fed in seven days. Within seven days, with in the war, things go wrong. So chances are you're going to have dead horses and immobilized trucks. So this is probably less. (laughs) No,
1: no more dead horses John it's to get itchy over there Holmes what do you make of this one
3: I mean I liked it because it's obviously sort of my area if I have an area but I'm struggling to see what makes it the greatest vehicle are you sort of saying Lockie that it was so good it helped shorten the war and so that because of that as a benefit for everyone I I think
16: my point is more broadly that trucks are the best. And if you're going to pick a kind of truck, then one that distinguished itself in a pretty high-profile manner is the best of a good bunch to pick.
3: So you're basically using that to pitch for trucks
16: in general? Well, if I've got to pick one, then that's the one I picked. Matt, is (laughs)
14: there?
2: I am. I'm, I'm, I'm eating. And frankly, that put me off my dinner. Um, <laughs> if you, you see the thing is you went trucks, trucks are great. I'm like, okay, I'm liking this. Then you went the Dennis three ton truck in the first world war and you lost me um, <laughs> because, you know, let's, let's face it as trucks go. It's not very good. It was good. Then it was very quickly surpassed by everything else. Now, you why said the...
16: are we doing anything other than what's come out in the last twelve months?
2: No, I was going to say you could've gone transit. <laughs> if you're going to bin anything that's been superseded, then what are we doing here? Dude, <laughs> you see, could've, could've gone, could've gone transit van. That would've been, that oh, would've been interesting. On a oh, you, should've said it. you should've <laughs> said something that's not been superseded.
16: <laughs> They're still making transit vans now. Josh, man, I feel sorry for you. Also, Heather, I mean, yours is out of service completely. <laughs> um, legs are still going, still going strong. Yeah, legs. <laughs> That's what we're shaping up towards, isn't it? Legs are going to win. Zeppelins <laughs> are still in the air. You've got the good zeppelin. <laughs> Most
2: of the time, oh, you still have anything
5: from the past five years it counts, and everything else it doesn't. <laughs>
2: um, I, on, I, I, I. <clears throat> sorry, I'm completely distracted by the comment about me coming hard against history. That's <laughs>
6: not the first time. <laughs>
2: That's not the first time that's been said.
15: <laughs> no, i leave you guys thing. alone for two minutes.
2: No, I um, <laughs> um it, I, I, If it had been sort of trucks generally as an evolving, ever-increasing cool thing, we would have had worries about you. But even still, I think going specific, yes, you stayed in your wheelhouse. And,
13: yeah. Uh.
2: We, yeah no. <laughs> no, but that's kind of what I did. The
1: most entertainment I've had all night is watching Clive stuff his dinner like a five-year-old he wants to go back out to play, just in case he got called on. <laughs> was it nice, Clive?
13: It was. It was a very nice fish pie. Ooh. With a bit of salad on the side. Yeah, very pleased.
1: I noticed a lot of green stuff going in, getting shoveled in. Right. Uh, let's go. Clive, do you want to go next?
13: Why not?
1: Because I have absolutely... I love you, but this is Shit. On you go. Good.
13: <laughs> right though, that's the best thing about it.
1: It's you. not right. It's not. It is. Just ask best how a... much fun we. Wrong have. side Belgian of history, cyclist, wrong, wrong side me.
4: of history. No, no. I did I... really, I did really worry for Belgian cyclists last week. I did think Alex was going to take a couple intentionally out <laughs>
1: Belgians say no riding a abreast and playing Tour de France. You're supposed to be one behind the other. They give you special lanes to do it. So get out the fucking road.
2: I know I'm not in the main group chat, but didn't we were supposed to tell Clive that he lost as soon as he picked this?
1: We did.
13: (laughs) I told that, but don't worry. He even
1: got on a bus. He was a bus wanker to get home to do this still. So on you go, Clive.
13: Okay, enough abuse. My presentation this evening is probably the shortest I have ever done, and that's for a reason. There clearly is no real debate on this issue. There is only one vehicle that has altered the demography of the world, enhanced the gene pool, is efficient to an unparalleled degree, is fun, healthy, clean, green, and is the future of our cities and beyond. The humble bicycle. H.G. Wells put it beautifully. When I see an adult on a bicycle, I do not despair for the future of the human race. Bicycles are relatively modern and only really coming into popular use in the late, later part of the Victorian era. But my goodness, how well and quickly did they make their mark. They gave people access to mobility. People who couldn't afford horses or train fares could get around. They're credited with raising the average height of the population as people who were otherwise stuck breeding with their neighbours were suddenly freed to shag around across the country. They gave women an independent form of transport. The suffragette, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, put it succinctly. Women, sorry, woman is riding to suffrage on a bicycle. And Susan B. Anthony forcefully said, let me tell you what I think of bicycling. I think that it has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. It gives women a sense of freedom and self-reliance. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel. The picture of free, untrammeled womanhood. Even Annie Oakley of Annie Get Your Gun fame got in on the act. The famous cowgirl and sharpshooter exclaimed, not realising you couldn't reverse on a bicycle, I am delighted with my wheel. I'm equally as fond of it as my horse. Cycling got people moving around, even before the Kinder Scout Mass trespass of 1932 led to an opening up of the countryside to ramblers from England's crowded industrial towns. Workers on their days off were able to escape their barren urban habitats on their bicycles. The Clarion Cycling Clubs and the CTC organised rides for working people, and in the case of the Clarion, through an education in socialism and fellowship. Bicycles are efficient, the most efficient practical means of transport. As Gido Stokey has said, Bicycles are the most efficient vehicles on the planet, 50 times more efficient than cars, and twice as efficient as walking. Well, that will tell you, Beth. They convert energy into forward motion in a way that no other means of transport can. It's clean and green. And this is why cycling is the transport, particularly the urban transport of the future. Cities must adopt cycling over fossil fuel driven vehicles. Even electric cars are inefficient and cannot cope with the limited space available in our ever more populated cities cars have had their day we need something that is clean that supports a healthy lifestyle gone are the days of people sitting in traffic driving to the gym the future is one where everyone will get fit simply by traveling across town the savings to the nhs involved in any increase in cycling are enormous we need cities whose infrastructure contemplates 50 of more of journeys being undertaken on bikes Look at Amsterdam and Copenhagen as examples. This is where we must go. And it's where all mainstream political parties in this country are going, even the Tories. Today, there are a billion bicycles on earth. We need more, billions more. But cycling is not just about empowerment and sustainability. Cycling is fun. It is liberating. The joy is perhaps best expressed in these few quotes. It's by riding a bicycle that you learn the contours of a country best since you have to sweat up hills and coast down them, said Ernest Hemingway. There is a beauty in silence and there's a silence in beauty and you can find both in a bicycle, said Mehmet Murat Ildan. And again, he also said, every time you miss your childhood, ride on a bicycle and there you have it. The bicycle is quite clearly the best vehicle ever and will always be. Thank you. I
1: don't think anyone in this room agrees with you. I'd like, Kate's just put in the chat is it me or does Clive look really small, a bit like a borrower, or is the room just absolutely massive? Yes, he lives in a mansion, Kate.
6: I know it's a mansion. You look wee.
16: Oh. He, has to cycle. he has to cycle from one room to the next.
1: <laughs> the only thing I'll give you, Clive, is that I fucking hate cyclists slightly less than I hate wankers on e-scooters. That's it.
13: And oh, I'm sure I've just seen the chat and while I've been talking. It's gone a bit wild, hasn't it?
1: has gone a bit wild. <laughs> right, Holmes.
3: I mean... I- I noticed that you went straight to like the Victorian bike, Clive, and you missed out the what was it, the hobby horse bike from the
13: 18th century. Yeah, but the hobby horse and the penny farthing aren't quite the safety bike, are they? I you had done the f-
6: penny farthing. I totally would have voted for you. You should have done the penny farthing.
13: <laughs> apparently, <laughs> penny totally Farthing... I, I know people who ride penny farthings quite regularly and some really? over long distances, but apparently, you... they really, really hurt your ass. In a way that people all live in Hoxton. I mean,
3: I always, I always thought the hobby horse bike riding that looked more of a pain in the ass and just pushing it along. It probably took about took about the same time to get anywhere. Hmm.
13: Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a, a, an embryonic step on the way, but bicycles then became extraordinarily efficient and effective.
3: OK, I mean, you, you made some good, but I'm not anti cyclists. There are good cyclists and bad cyclists in the same way they're good, good drivers and bad drivers. But I, I guess the only thing that I have not in its favour, when we looked at the definition earlier, it was moving people or goods, and you
13: can't move goods on a bike. Yes, you can. Have you never seen a cargo bike? Have you never heard of pe- the Pedal Me app? There are, I mean, today there are more can cargo you, bikes i have not heard of them, but I'm assuming
3: you can't move three tonnes of potatoes on one of them. <laughs>
13: You'd be surprised how much you can move on so cargo bikes like the There are um, the Pedal can... Me people who go around did a whole office move on cargo bikes. They have bloody great trailers that they pull along behind them. Uh, it is quite extraordinary. And yes, you can move a lot.
1: I'm just thinking of how many drivers want them dead. i having to deal with them. Boney.
2: So my notes... I've written Clive underline like I do with everybody's names and then just put has lost.
13: (laughs) That's because you're a Neanderthal, Matt.
2: I've been I've been told worse. Just look at the chat. I I mean Matt, Matt,
13: just just let's let's just come to terms with something here. You are being more negative about my pitch than Holmes. Nobody has ever been more negative about my pitch than Holmes before. Therefore, you must be very wrong. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like. You're going to gonna take, have to live with the shame of this. You're on the wrong side of history.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Again, not the first time that's happened.
13: Um, I mean, you might be hard on history, but
2: <laughs>
13: you, you're having, also having, wrong. Having, having just... You just heard
3: what Clive was saying about me when I went to the, get a beer out of the fridge. Matt, Matt you're entirely right. Clive's bottom. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. please don't say the words Clive's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Especially a penny farthing chat. I,
13: you <laughs> ought to see the bruise that's on my bottom at the moment after my little collision on Saturday. Oh go, go, go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, Sam nearly choked on her wine then.
14: <laughs> <laughs> well, go,
9: go ahead. Let's come in with a very brief sense of Clive. So, uh, airborne sappers, so for context here, I work at the Royal Engineers Museum, and uh, airborne sappers in the Second World War, a lot of them jumped with collapsible bicycles because they thought they were going to be important in the field. Now, I'm not a Second World War historian, so I cannot comment on how important they actually were when they landed. I just know that they did take them with them. And also during the First World War, they used bicycles. The Royal Engineers used bicycles to uh, carry dispatches and communications. So that, to me, is a huge argument for
2: Clive. So, Sam, as as someone who has spent a bit of time looking into First World War and things that get thrown out of airplanes, they're (laughs) usually things that people don't want back. So (laughs) collapsible bicycles. (laughs) Probably and and also,
13: I, I, I oh, spent okay. a, tell, tell that to the parachute regiment, Matt. <laughs> I spent about
3: um, a year once transcribing two and a half years worth of the 10th tenth, tenth Division Cyclist Corps. That was they, brilliant. Yeah. Did you and ever they, find
1: did... one interesting comment?
3: They did. They spent about in that two year period, they spent about three days on their bikes. The rest of the time, they're all going off directing traffic or doing cookery courses.
1: Well, that (laughs) and we did that guy, that chap that was killed and it was nothing to do with the bike. He hadn't been near his bike in months. And he got do you remember they got given that shit job of taking those cardboard cutouts of men into no man's land and then popping them up as if there was an attack happening so that the Germans would shoot at them and he died. That's, that's what they did with cyclists in the first world war. I, I guess. I,
2: I, I, let's be guess fair here. F- when the six airborne jumped into Arnhem, the thing they weren't <laughs> saying was we needed more bicycles. <laughs> I, I,
15: I uh, but the Japanese Imperial he, Army uh, attacks Manchuria and Singapore. There were hmm. was it two divisions or something like that that came at Singapore on bicycles, dismounted to fight,
13: but just to follow Sam's. Uh, you know.
1: I'm so glad I wasn't. Thank, thank you, behind. Josh. I, I,
13: I seem to remember that the Japanese won those ones as well. <laughs> yes, they did. That's
2: not something we should be celebrating.
13: <laughs> <laughs> well, not, the, it the, didn't the, go the, particularly well for the period. Bicycles, just so they afterwards. came second. Okay. just okay. Go, go
5: full on backing the fall of Singapore? <laughs> yeah. the <creation> of the, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm broadly. I'm,
15: I'm, broadly I'm just saying that it's a military history <laughs> fact that they used their bicycles
0: to pull it off.
2: I've been. I've been to the POW museum in. In Singapore. If that's if all of that horrible stuff I saw as the result of the bicycle, we're actually gonna move you further down the
1: well, Lockheed's been trying to get a word in edgeways for
16: about five minutes now. Yeah, you fuckers. No, actually you're gonna go back to the first world war because that's when I was trying to get the word in. Um, I've pretty closely studied one of the three spells of open warfare, which is surely one of the times that cyclists would get their chance in the first world war. And no. Um, because it's a bit bumpy the ground. So it's yeah, quite because, difficult to ride their bikes. Because
13: mountain bikes hadn't yeah, been invented I mean, then, and well, gravel yeah. bikes hadn't come out. But, and, and broadly the, speaking I'm sympathetic with the guys. But uh,
16: yeah, in, in warfare not, not so much. Yeah.
13: But my, my but the, the, guys at, they, they the, the guys I looked at they basically
3: the guys I looked at basically they sped off when the spring offensive started and did a couple of days of scouting. But then, as you say, all the ground was unsuitable then, so it's back to directing traffic and cookery courses.
1: Well, there's less point to them than there is to the cavalry.
16: No, the cavalry were more useful.
1: Exactly.
13: Because they dismounted and fought. Yeah. can Can I just make a definitional point, because Holmes is very keen on definitional points. This isn't the greatest vehicle used in the First World War or the most useful vehicle in the First World War. It is the most useful vehicle ever. And the First World War, although it was an important factor that took four years, isn't the whole the, inti- the entirety of history.
1: Well, my response If we're, if would we're be talking entirety of history, the future, Kate
13: wins because of legs.
1: Not only that, but the bike has only been around for, what, 150 years? Um, so you're t- this isn't future hack. This is history hack, my friend. It may be the future of <laughs> the planet, but it will got fuck all to do with most of human history.
2: Am am I I allowed to play the Hemingway veto?
1: What's the Hemingway veto?
2: Well, Hemingway was a dick, and as Clyde brought him up, that should be an extra reason not to go for bicycles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. We've got got two left. Let's go to Sam next, who was a sapper as well, um, and says he took his bicycle to camp. Good man, Sam.
12: Well, I was a recce sergeant and uh, normally the recce sergeant was the last guy to get a vehicle, so a lot of my recces were actually done my bike. <laughs> so, <laughs> it comes in handy. I so like I've that. Like I like that bike idea. Yep. <laughs> and my wife used to ride Scottish schoolgirls, so I've got to big up the bike, so I think I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll back him up in on that one. Yeah. he's uh, holding on right.
1: the tiny penis. You can
13: come again,
12: please. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh... Earlier on, we had Josh doing uh, doing some cultural references, so I think I'll start with a cultural reference, if you can hear it. I'm just
1: like, the copyright,
12: the copyright. I hope you can all get that. That is not the theme tune from Steptoe and Son. It's a... Cover band that's doing that, obviously, but it brings in uh, my vehicle of choice, which is, it's hard to tie it down to one, but we'll say the GS wagon or the cart uh, to take it into a wider context. And it's essentially almost where Josh was at the start, but it takes it into the four-wheeled vehicle. So I'm going for the all-round transport vehicle rather than the chariot. Uh, which was more of an attacking vehicle, which needed the carts to bring along its hay and forage for its horses. Um, so the the wagon itself for the cart, uh, working back uh, 5,000 years ago, uh, when they first invented the wheel, somebody came up with the idea of putting an axle in it, uh, creating a chariot, but then they found it couldn't carry much. So they decided to add a body onto that and created the four-wheeled wagon. Uh, The four-wheeled wagon then carried on. And just as a point, the wheel was not invented by Hengis Pod and Carry On Cleo, uh, square wheel as he invented. It It was actually a round wheel. So uh, another cultural reference, uh, one of the ones that everybody hates, but I'm going to do it anyway. If in some smothering dreams you two could pace behind that wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil sick of sin, if you could hear at every jolt the blood come gurgling from froth col- uh, corrupted lungs, say at Decorum West, and it gives you an idea. A wagon could be used as an ambulance, it could be used to carry uh, supplies, it could be uh, used to carry people and it can be used for a multitude of purposes that you, can, uh, you can't you can really tie it down in too many. Uh, I know Lockie was talking about it being a horse-drawn vehicle. Well, if you want to Google this, there is a website, and you will see carts or uh, wagons being hauled by goats, dogs, zebras, pigs, buffaloes, lions, llamas, elephants, hippos, and my personal favourite, turkeys. Yes, there is a turkey-drawn car. You have to see this one. Bullocks, you might say. Yes, bullocks as well. Uh, so where do we go with this? So let's go back to the eight, uh, 19th century, and we'll look at the uh, first major use of the covered wagon or wagon train uh, was yeah, used by the Vortrekkers in uh, South, uh, South Africa. Uh, and they travelled across South Africa to travel away from civilization and to conquer the, the South African Velt very successfully as it, it uh, happened because they could carry everything they needed. They could carry their food, they could carry water, they could carry forage for their horses, uh, and when they did settle, they were ready to go. They were basically carrying their house and their back, so a very successful use of it then. Uh, The Roman roads, everybody thinks they're Roman roads, nice straight roads. They were created for carts. That's what they were there for. Marching men can march across country. Carts need something a bit smoother. The Romans gave us the roads for that purpose. And if you come up to Scotland and you travel about the north of Scotland, you'll come across the Wade roads and the Wade bridges, if you've ever heard them. And that was built by General Wade after the Jacobite Rebellion to give access to the government forces to move about quicker within the Highlands to subdue the local people. So uh, the roads are just a, a byproduct of carts. So uh, let's have a look at uh, some of the things that they've, uh, First World War. So if we look at the First World War, we had the GS wagon. I'm not going to focus on it, but to give you an idea of what it was, it was 10 foot five and a half, uh, long. Uh, it was three foot wide and it was 13 inches deep. The sides came off so it could be multi-purpose. Uh, they could travel a lot of places that uh, vehicles couldn't travel because they were sprung. Uh, if they get stuck, guys could jump off and they could push them. Uh, easy to maintain. Uh, you, if you had a wheel right there, a carpenter, that was basically your Remi in the days. Uh, you think it's maybe First World War was the pinnacle of using carts. You look at the German army Second World War, 80% of the German army in the Second World War were horse-drawn or, or used horses. The biggest majority of their supply came on wagons. They it didn't come in trucks until they captured France. Uh, and who were the most uh, motorised country in the world at the time, including America, and uh, they then became more uh, truck-drawn. Um, so some of the things that we can get from the wagons uh, the, in modern culture, we'll get the wagon wheel biscuit. Let's not kill ourselves. When you walk into somebody's house and they get you a plate of wagon wheels, you know you're welcome. If you get a plate with a bourbon biscuit or a wee... Uh, Garibaldi biscuit, you know you can leave. Get a wagon wheel, you're sorted. Uh, So what else have I got written here? Remember, this has been done quite quickly. (laughs) Uh, Wagons also gave us one of the greatest films of all time, the Western. Uh, How many uh, times do you see them circling their wagons, getting behind them, and it doesn't matter what they're getting fired at, they're perfectly safe behind their wagon. It also gave us the film, Paint Your Wagon, which gave us the one and only time that we ever heard Lee Marvin sing, thankfully. Who can forget, I was born. I won't go any further. Uh, it conquered America uh, for Heather. Uh, conquered America, hell, The wagon trains that traveled through, through America, uh, taking the settlers in, again, doesn't sound right, because let's look at ourselves when they were subjugating the people, just the same as the Vortrekkers did, so maybe not a good thing. Uh, and then we come on to the Donner Party, uh, who in 1846 set off with 87 people in the wagon train, get trapped in the Sierra Nevada. Uh, they decided to turn cannibalism. Uh, 48 people survived. And due to the donor Party, we now have the eponymous Kebab that everybody enjoys on a Saturday night, which is equally dubious meat content in it. And it's not a very nice thing. Uh, So what else do we do? Uh, What else can we take to wagons and carts? Uh, The cart itself gave us, uh, when we used to call people, uh, use their surnames became what they did as a job. So we have the surname Carter, we've got Jim Carter, Mr Carson uh, from Downton Abbey, Jimmy Carter, the peanut farmer who became president, and the one and only best wonder woman ever, Linda Carter, for for my era anyway. Uh, So, modern day, uh, we have lorry drivers, a lorry driver will not tell you that he drives a lorry, he'll tell you he drives a wagon, Uh, a few Look at the trains. Uh, if you've got a freight train, it is made up of wagons. It's not made up of carriages. It's made up of wagons. It still carries on through to this day. Um, so it is the greatest vehicle that I can think of for a simple reason. It's green. And if you've got a wagon that's carrying on down your street, you've got some fantastic fertilizer for your roses, and you won't get that with the exhaust fumes. you got to on. And that's my pitch for the wagon or car.
1: Well done. Good time for a first timer. I like that. I love the idea of if someone gives you a wagon wheel, you know you're welcome. If they give you some grotty little bourbon biscuit, they don't want you there. I'm going to hold that personally now whenever I go around. Somewhere else. Uh, Holmes, what do you make of that one?
3: Well, on the wagon wheel thing, I always think wagon wheels taste a bit stale. For years, I was thinking I was getting on pass sell by dates that people are trying to pass off on me.
15: No. That's
12: why they put jam in them though. You tried a jammy wagon wheel. No.
3: No. If
15: we're having a Scottish English divide in in
16: taste here. i totally i totally I totally agree with the wagon wheel. I, I in fact wagon... I'm gonna bring biscuits into my pitches more often as a as a result of
3: this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no I thought I thought it was I, it was a, I think it's a strong strong pitch. It's sort of the, the the missing link between Josh's and Lockie's, which is sort of I was kind of looking We're for. a team. When's when? Me and Sam. We're a team. When? I'm the
15: I'm the sort of the vanguard and he's the support. He gets me to the field and I do the job.
12: We're <laughs> the logistics team. Exactly.
3: And <laughs> they for how long have they been around? Because you, you said five thousand years ago, but I think that was referring to the chariot, which is a sort of precursor.
12: Yeah, the five thousand years ago was the would have been the invention of the wheel, or the earliest that uh, they the found wheels. But uh, the wagon itself, or the four wheeled wagon, more or less, it was in be, it, it came about roughly about the same time as the chariot. For a simple reason, the chariot does have the major drawback that it cannot transport um, even enough food for the horse that's pulling the chariot. So you that had is, to have is, that is. wagon train behind it. You know,
3: so uh, they came, can he me, it hasn't got
1: a boot down to each a, other. That's
2: nothing else for me, but I think, yeah, I th- think it's up there. Pony. I did really well too. So it's like <laughs> <Elf> urban biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> here, here I was, all ready to to support and and go to bat for one of our wonderful Patreon people, and then he went and screwed it up. So, um, yeah, keep your wagon wheel, man.
6: Uh, seriously i
2: I think i think that i think that was that that was very well done i liked wagon hence me hence me sort of paying attention right up until the biscuit bit um but no i think i think given given some of our pitches this evening that, that 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 wasn't bad and considering I'm also on Twitter slagging Chris off for his, I think it's showing he's he, you've done better than Chris.
1: Excellent. Right, okay. We've got one more, though. Um, and we all know what happens when Kit comes along. No pressure, Kit. Best, like, yeah, he steals your pitch.
8: <laughs> steal
1: the
5: pitch from the last one. <laughs> Go on.
2: To be well, fair, I did steal Kit's the other week, so it's only fair.
5: I've been thinking about this a lot because... For me, the greatest vehicle is not necessarily the most useful or the most innovative or uh, one that has had a wide impact on history. The greatest vehicle is simply the vehicle that you would most like to be in. And so I was looking at race cars. I was looking at Le Jamais Contente, the first ever race car that was electric powered. I was looking at um, at race cars such as the Mercedes uh, W11, race car that managed to push the boundaries of what we can do with conventional engines. And I thought, what vehicle would I like to travel in the most? And the answer is simple. It's a bloody hovercraft. I love hovercrafts, and the reason I've picked hovercraft is not because of anything to do with, uh, with their achievements in history. It's purely because they're bloody awesome. Everyone wants to ride on a hovercraft. You can go anywhere with them. Land, sea, doesn't really matter. The history of hovercraft uh, really begins in Britain uh, post war. They were being investigated. Christopher Cockrell is the man uh, that we sort of recognize as the the father of the hovercraft. And he was doing it while he was mucking around with some high pressure air. He blew it between two tin cans. One was a can of coffee. One was a can of cat food and with a hairdryer. And holy smokes, it produces a ring flow of air, a curtain of air that you can use to ride on. He approached the military with this and the Whitehall guy said, uh, well, the Navy said it wasn't a plane, um, and so uh, the Navy said it was a plane and not a boat. The Air Force said that it was a boat and not a plane, and the Army were plane not interested. Well, how wrong were they? Because the hovercraft became immediately popular when in its conception. It moved very, very quickly into commercial design, more so the military, which only became popular um, in the 21st century. We actually used that in the Iraq War. But through commercialization, we started seeing passenger ferries using hovercraft technology. We saw cargo being transferred. And more importantly, we saw life-saving measures. Today, hovercrafts are used widely by the, uh, the lifeboats in, uh, in the UK, um, particularly in Scandinavian countries, to get to people who have uh, got problems on snow, on ice, where well, you need to have a mixed range of terrain. They're used uh, by the Germans as well. Um, There are even racing hovercrafts. So you can zoom out on an F1 hovercraft if you so desire. Have the hovercrafts had that epic impact that we've spoken about throughout history? Of course they haven't. We do use them, they have had their moment in history, but they're a relatively new design. The thing is, we're not talking about the most useful vehicle. We're talking about the greatest, the most awesome. And for that, the hovercraft has to be the winner.
1: Ooh, kick coming at you left field, Boney.
2: No, it doesn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're in a bad mood tonight. Are you still sulking about the bourbon biscuit thing?
2: Yeah, that's really, really, really upset me, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to cancel Sam's subscription. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I've been on a hovercraft. I've, yeah, Clive was saying he was old enough to be on a he- hovercraft which worries me because i've been on a hovercraft out of the white and that must mean me and clive are like really old um i think i'm looking better for it (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna regret that sorry clive um no i don't think it's the greatest i think it's really cool and i think hovercraft probably didn't get that next development step that would have moved them into being great um, but I, we're looking for greatest vehicle in history and being one of the cooler vehicles in history, which I will give you. Um, no, I'm sorry. Oh, you,
5: don't you want to have a ride on a hovercraft? I mean, I want to
2: have a ride on the racing hovercraft, and that yeah. that does look really cool. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm.
3: I have actually had a go on a racing hovercraft, and it is cool. But what is difficult about it is you sort of you're, you sort of have to steer before. you you actually would want to steer as if you're driving, because if you leave it to steer as if you would when you're driving, you don't turn in time. You end up skimming off the side of the lake by a counterweight. It's sideways.
6: <laughs> Did you yeah. end up skimming um,
1: off the lake?
3: Well, I thought I was turning. I would be, I'd be turning and then I'd be, I'd be going sort of parallel to the edge of this round lake. In the end, I just carried on going straight, basically, through the reeds. Yes, up the thing,
5: and it didn't matter, because you can go on land and water.
3: Yeah yeah it was good it was fun and a little bit freaky um i always wanted to go on the dover to calais hovercraft why did they stop using it um demand
5: is a simple answer um it was there was not enough demand for that high speed service compared with a conventional uh, car carrying slow ferry and then, on the were, and then yeah it was more expensive because it was faster and then when they introduced the channel tunnel that just killed off the service there is a, still a, a commercial hovercraft service in the channel, um, there is the uh, the one that scoots over to the Isle of Wight uh, from, I think, Leon Solon. Wasn't else? there a lot I of think, problems with
12: happened. the cross-channel, was, was there not a lot of problems with the cross-channel cover crafts with the passengers yeah. being seasick oh, it was because brilliant. of the motion?
1: Yeah, I used to go over on it with Andy Pay, who was in the Royal Marines, and we just used to sit there taking bets on who'd yak first, and all the idiots would run um, for the windows which is the worst place to go if you're seasick. You should go to the middle. Um, and we used to just stand there laughing at who was going to yak first. It was brilliant. Watching people drop their teas and pop coffee. Well, if I
5: can't up. win greatest, can I win coolest?
1: Yes. <laughs> Although, mm, should you not have gone for the hoverboard from Back to the Future? That's not that real. It
8: doesn't exist. Shut
1: I up. Mean, prob-
3: probably you're not even picking the one with the most air in, if that was a criterion, <laughs> sure, Well, then Chris <laughs> would win.
2: <laughs> yeah the zeppelin only had air in it after it exploded
14: (laughs) this is true
1: right okay we're going to go around the room uh while the judges make their decision let's go to our patreon people first trevor you had an interesting one you said you were you were too gutless to argue it but you said if you were going to argue one what was yours
8: well i'm going to go for um Heather, because mine links very closely with hers, I was going to go for the crawler transporters uh, from NASA, which transported the Saturn V uh, rockets to from the vehicle assembly bay to the launch pad. They are um, big pieces. They were. Uh, there was a pair of them with drivers' cabs both sides, which was for one for one direction, one for the other direction, oh, and shut not- and not chuckle brothers like I thought they were going to be. <laughs>
14: um,
8: but they they were brought into operation in 1965. Um, they were used for every single Apollo mission. They were used for Skylab. They were used for Apollo Soyuz. And they were used for the um, space shuttle missions that Heather um, was talking about. And they're also, they're still in service. They're going to be used for the Artemis um, uh, program So they've been in use since 1965 and since then they've had new gears, new tracks, new uh, wheels, new control systems, so they're a bit like uh, Triggers Broom. But I was going to say
1: it's now. like Triggers Broom. <laughs> yeah. Give, give I like them the it. standard
2: tonight, Trevor. You were in with a chance with that. Yeah. You anyway. can pick
1: Trevor if it makes you happy, because that pitch was <laughs> probably better than Chris's. Um,
2: <laughs> you wouldn't have come last, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you may consider Trevor's pitch, because let's be honest, if you can ferry a uh, space shuttle around, you are quite a cool vehicle. But
8: um, just to add, sorry, Alex, just to add to that, I mean, Holmes said that he remembered as a kid watching it, and that's the thing with, with the Apollo... Um, Trips, Apollo missions. Everyone in the world was watching it, and the same with the Shuttle missions. And it was the common link between that is these uh, crawler transporters. Wonderful,
1: uh, Beth. If you couldn't vote for your own,
4: um, I think I, as much as it pains me to say it, I'll go with Sam and his wagon. <laughs> pains me. <laughs>
1: Is that because he cracked all over your trains?
4: Yeah, and, and I'll get him for that. Don't worry, I'll get him. But, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, no, I can't can't argue with it, really.
1: Dave, Mr. Collins, yes. If you'd have made an argument for one, what would you have picked?
10: I, I was, I went with. Uh, everyone gave a pretty good good talk, mm. uh, and and there were a couple of things. I think if the gentleman who talked about chariots. If he had mentioned Lou Wallace in the Civil War, uh, I would have gone with that. Or,
15: uh turns on such a such a s such a narrow margin, doesn't
10: it? <laughs> Thank you. If if Beth had mentioned the movement of Stonewall Jackson on railroads from uh Memes. I think I, I think everything is
15: a trend here, Dave. Yeah. yeah.
10: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of. By have the gone way, did you that. know that the first guy to use a
15: chariot was uh, Ulysses S. Grant? <laughs> and
1: also shoehorning baseball, and he's yours.
10: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> baseball from the back of a chariot. I like I like the bicycle uh, because I do a lot of bicycling on the CNO Canal. But the but the accent, the Susan B. Anthony accent, Annie Oakley accent. That, they didn't have a British accent.
2: So I'm <laughs> Dave, Dave, that was the least of that picture's problems.
1: <laughs> Although all the other Patreon people literally went out of their minds when Clive started going, Copley, me, copy me theatre, copy
6: theatre.
10: I, I thought I thought that Heathers was good, but there's no way on, on God's earth that I can vote for a Boston Bruin fan. So I'm, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Sam. Sam hit, uh, all the, the, the high points. He hit the American experience of going West. Uh, and it was his first try and I'm going to, I'm going to go with Sam.
1: And if you'd have picked one to do yourself, what vehicle would you have gone for?
10: Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I'm enamored by trains, my my people left Ireland in uh, 1837 to come to the United States. They were blacksmiths and and uh, they, they settled in Schenectady, New York, and they worked for the Ellis Locomotive Works in, in Schenectady. And they had deferments in the American Civil War uh, because it was a vital industry in the United States. Railroads was a vital industry. Uh, it was my great great grandfather and my great grandfather, so I probably would have gone along with with, with trains.
1: Excellent, uh, Louise. What would, you have, would you have gone for a boat of some
14: description? Well, I thought as um, there's another naval historian here, we'd have been we'd had a boat, but uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone for a zeppelin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would have I would have predicted we a boat but I'm very very swayed by Beth's argument for trains definitely um yeah you pretty much all train by by tunnels and bridges carry everyone's been on a train you can carry a lot of a lot of stuff on a train um the were in world war 1 the um you know the importance of the railways and timetables um in moving troops around to report uh lawrence arabia felt spent quite a lot of time trying to blow them up so yeah i would i think i'm persuaded by Beth. i mean clive's argument was good with the bikes but um yeah um you can't carry much on a bike um and aberdeen drivers actively try and kill you when you're on a bike so. <laughs> Um, so it's something like
13: pedestrians.
14: Hundred bike um, deaths a year, um, you know, in Britain. I think so. They're maybe marginally safer than a zeppelin, but um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, Beth, Beth wins for me. Excellent. This is this is
15: despite us apparently both having the same last name.
1: Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you related? I have,
15: I have no idea.
1: No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, um, if you can't have your spacecraft.
17: Um, as much as I hate saying it, Sam, <laughs> I, I will get my revenge somehow. <laughs> Beth and I will start uh, plotting.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you want to sleep with one eye open at the next conference. Uh, Del, Sam.
9: Well, I have many thoughts, so I hope you're all ready for this. Um. So I, I very much like Sam's uh, Boy Sam's uh, wagon argument because I do, I do very much agree with the fact that uh, an army is only as good as its summit. However, uh, I also really loved a bit more Beth's argument and because it's a safe space because Zach and Marcus aren't here. So I once heard from a man at Beamish Museum uh, that we can owe the entirety of British railroads because of the Napoleonic Wars because all the horses, well not all the horses, but many, many horses died in the Napoleonic Wars and therefore we needed to come up with different modes of transport. And therefore the development of railroads is entirely down to Napoleon. So there's my little pro-Napoleon uh, in, in this in this field. Um, I'm afraid it's gonna be no surprise based on my defense earlier. My winner for tonight is five because to me, bicycles are the best mode of transport. And it is entirely, entirely, entirely down to the first uh, of all communications as a primary uh, argument. So you lose your telephones, you lose your telegraphs, and the royal engineers are busy fixing those things. But while they're doing that, the other royal engineers on their bicycles are bicycling the uh, the communications to the people, mm. and also it it it, it just it carries on. So. Currently, uh, you, in military bases, you will cycle from one end to the other. And also, at Kambasian, it was so large that soldiers would bicycle from one end to the other. So to me, bicycles, well one on five.
1: I'm looking all smug.
6: Uh, Kate? Um, I really liked hearing about the chariots. Um, however, whoever came up with the idea of strapping a small two-wheeled half-bucket to the back of two horses was either batshit crazy or on drugs. Is that um, why you like them? I I loved hearing about it, but and I've I've ridden horses, I've trained horses uh, all my life. I've I've been, been involved with horses, and and I would not consider going near a chariot. So as much <laughs> as I loved hearing about them, I I just can't give it the greatest vehicle um, So close So, so <laughs> close <laughs> um, But I I really loved hearing about the Coracle I thought that was um, really interesting so I'm, I'm going to pick that actually
1: Excellent Paul If you can't have your Coracle, which one are you going for?
11: It's, uh, it's close between wagon and train for me and I'm going to go train It's a light railway just down the end of my road and the difference it made to the sheep farmers in getting the sheep to the market in Welshpool was massive. This changed the whole area, getting stuff into the market and getting stuff out of the market. So it's got to be trained.
1: Excellent. What have we got left? Christopher, if you were going to have made an argument, which vehicle would you have chosen?
11: I would have gone probably as a Devonshire boy. Historically, I probably would have gone with something like the race built um, Galleon of the 1580s, personally. Not the well-known Devonshire Chariot.
6: That's the one.
11: Yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up from primary school on Legends of Drake and, and so forth. So that probably would have been where I'd have gone on those lines. Um, in terms of favourites for this evening, I was very torn between the Space Shuttle, uh, pushing the final frontier and all of that, ISS and Mir and Hubble and all of that good stuff. But I'm going to have to plumb for the humble truck, having spent many a time in my early 20s being driven for eight hours in the back of a four-tonner to the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere to go and go on exercise for weeks at a time. So I would opt for the humble truck. Oh,
14: humble truck. I was
2: wondering where that story was going to go.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> Let's not go with what happened in the middle of the field after he got there, uh, especially if this is squaddy related. Josh?
15: Uh, i have to go with my um, my my colleague in the Logistics Corps, the Chariot Logistics Corps, and go with Sam.
1: Excellent. bodying it up there. Sam, if you can't have yours?
12: Uh, I would have went with Lockie with the truck if he'd went for them 35 juice and a half for World War II. You know, for the Red Ball Express, but unfortunately he didn't. He went for one in World War One, which was vastly outnumbered by wagons. I liked the idea of the Space Shuttle and I liked the idea of the Zeppelin, but the only problem with that is, I mean, as Bernard Law Montgomery said, Operation Market Garden was 90% successful. It still failed, and two out of five Space Shuttles disintegrating is not isn't a good idea. Um... I was really really tempted with a bike uh I think a bike's really handy, but uh i'm gonna go with Beth for the simple reason I think uh it's a green form of transport or as green as you can get it's multiple uh multiple person carrying it's multiple freight carrying and although it can only go in certain places, it can be offloaded and moved uh Takes stuff off the lorries and puts it on a uh, shorter distances for them. So yeah, I'll go for the train. And the Royal Engineers were in charge of the light railways in First World War.
1: In the interest of full disclosure, Sam, who do you work for?
12: I work for Network Rail as a signaler.
1: <laughs> Chris, if you can't have your Zeppelin.
7: From a from a, a much a much maligned um safe form of transport that travels by air which only had two really horrific explosions I'm going to go for a similar much maligned um airborne transport that when I only had two massive explosions go for the space shuttle
1: uh lucky.
7: yeah um Clive 100% even All though you totaled
1: your bike yesterday
16: yeah no I, I'm gonna get another one um I've had that bike for years um, I've, I've been through three cars in the time that I've had that bike. Um, you know so a catastrophic frame snap is quite epic, but you know I cycled the western Front of the First world War on that bike as well as doing many many, many miles on it since then. Um, and it's been great and so I
13: advocate cycling completely and it's important.
1: Clive, if you got to climb down off your moral high horse and the bike, which would you go for?
13: Obviously, there's only one person who came out with anything approaching a sensible suggestion, and that was, as always, Kate.
1: <laughs> right, OK, judges.
3: It's unanimous this week, actually. Hardly, we were both exactly on the same page, but I think before we get into the I think legs, we need to address the legs problem. And uh, we've decided that, after a bit of discussion, as, as legs on a vehicle as most people would understand it, even though it conforms the dig, they conform to the dictionary definition, but we don't think we can have legs. So we thought we'd address that. Honorable mention for Coracle. that was a really good pitch. we really like that. But I'm going to announce third and second and then Matt'll announce the winner. and in third we've got the space shuttle. Second place we've got Sam's wagon.
2: And our winner this evening. Ladies gentlemen, wonderful patreon people is Miss Bethany Moore what? with Stevenson's Rockets. Never <laughs> <did it.
1: laughs>
2: And I think the only reason we chose it is because we all like seeing that reaction when she wins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Outstanding. And well done, Sam. Podium finish on your first appearance. And well done, Heather, as well. I, I probably would have. I would have either gone Kit or Heather. It was cool lucky yes she is going to be unbearable <laughs> guys
9: <laughs> she's thank you aw- she's,
2: she's awake now as well
1: yeah. Damn, no. <laughs> she's fully awake for gloating right guys we will reconvene uh our next recording needs to budge a bit to the 23rd not the 25th uh because neither zach or i can do it uh but we'll be doing history's greatest ever actor that week And the lovely Simon London should be joining us as a guest judge uh, for that one as well. Uh, Cause you know, he loves all things film. Thank you very much. And we'll
2: see you then.
10: Hey, take care people.
2: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.